is Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus. Hey, what's going on, everybody? And welcome to another edition of Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Andrew Patterson along with the CTO, Michael Remus. Another very busy show coming up today as we get ready for dropping the puck on round two of the Stanley Cup playoffs beginning tonight in Florida and in Colorado. And of course, tomorrow night, including the Battle of Alberta and the New York Rangers, who are the official team of Jet fans playing for that first round pick in the draft if they can win the series, taking on the Carolina Hurricanes. Uh, We've got lots to get to. We will discuss the Battle of Alberta coming up in a few minutes with Tyler Uremchuk, sort of from an Oilers perspective. Tomorrow, my pal Pat Steinberg is going to join us before we drop the puck on that series. But a little bit later on, more on the Winnipeg Jets, end of the Manitoba Moose season, and a look at the rest of the playoffs. Mike McIntyre, the Winnipeg Free Press, is going to join us. And we'll also bring in the drip of one Ted Wyman of the Winnipeg Sun. Ted's going to join us in hour two of the program. We'll get Ted's take on what is going on or what isn't going on with the Canadian Football League and the Canadian Football League Players Association as uh, we all await a deal being done and getting these players back on practice fields across Canada and getting ready for the preseason, which begins next week. Um, A big thanks to the sponsors that make this show happen. We're not doing it without their support. Aikens Lake Wilderness Lodge, Wallace & Wallace, F Apparel, Vita Health Fresh Market, Culligan Water, Manitoba Battery, Royal Sports, Breezy Bend, Not Auto Corp, Little Brown Jug, Princess Auto, Boston Pizza, the Nick & Nicky DQ Group, Canadian Club Whiskey, Assiniboia Downs, and of course our betting partners over at Cool Bet Canada. But I do imagine that a report in the last half hour from one Elliot Friedman will dominate the majority of our conversation at the beginning of the program and probably with Mike and Ted as well. And that, of course, is Elliot Friedman, what, 26 minutes ago, tweeting, hearing Winnipeg is interviewing Barry Trotz for its coaching position today. What a great way to start the show. Michael Remus, what's up? Trotz watch. I thought we had a break from no. this. Elliot must it's know. It's back on. It's back on. Elliot must know when we go live because uh, <laughs> thankfully uh, he's tweeted at 1230 that, yes, hearing Winnipeg interviewing Barry Trotz, immediately we're getting tweets from people saying, oh, I can't wait to tune in and hear this. Um, I'm posting it on our social media. Uh, you know, people, there's a lot of reaction. You know, we had kind of said they should get on it, but nice to hear that there's things are moving along and that there is actually an interview. I'm, you know, we can joke about like what that interview may be. You know, Barry Trotz probably takes his Stanley Cup champion ring, puts it on the table, <laughs> puts like the Nashville Predators, you know, playoff history on the table. I don't know, the, the Washington Capitals, like, Videos of Ovechkin swimming in a fountain, and he's taking responsibility for it. So, uh, I mean, I don't know. I'm, I'm, you know, we we thought you know the Jets would be interested, but it's, would he be interested in the Jets when there's so many teams available? You know, we talked about warm Vegas, you know, climate tax free. Uh, you know, no income, state income tax versus Winnipeg. Sign for five years, coach for one and a half. Yeah, exactly. That would yeah. that would probably be a benefit rather than, you know, <laughs> Winnipeg where there's maybe some more job security. 
I don't so, think guys like getting fired as much as we joke about guys getting paid for a long time for not working. But listen, this goes back to last Monday. Uh, last Monday was the day Barry Trotz got fired. We spent most of that day's show talking about it. We had record numbers in because of the amount of interest from Winnipeg Jet fans on the potential of Barry Trotz coming to Winnipeg and coming back home to Manitoba. Pierre Lebrun reported that day that Barry Trotz was going to take his time and give himself at least a week. Well, that week expired yesterday, and he's meeting with interviewing with the Winnipeg Jets today. I, from my perspective, that is a great sign. That's about as good of a sign as possible. Now, I don't know about you, folks, but I don't go and interview for a job that I don't have any interest in. So, if Barry Trotz did not have, did not want to hear the Winnipeg Jets out on the offer, now I'm not suggesting that this is his one and only choice. Please don't take it that way, but. From a Jets perspective, I think they absolutely needed to be aggressive, be on it, try it, be first at the table, and offer something to Barry Trotz that no other organization can offer. And that is the chance to be able to come home, to be able to be a, a, a figure at the top of a turnaround of something that I know would mean a lot to the people of Manitoba, of which Barry Trotz is one. And Trotz has said in the past that, you know, watching the Winnipeg Jets come back into the league, he spoke about it many times, how much that's made him happy as a, as a Manitoban, has, you know, paid close attention to the club and this community, even from being away. So jumping on that aspect, and hopefully that is the case of him understanding that there's a unique opportunity that, you know, isn't there in Philadelphia, isn't anywhere else, because he's not from anywhere else. Uh, and then, of course, getting into the fact that this is a team that still does have a lot of talent on it and has a world-class goaltender. And I think the ability to win is is right there for right there for the taking if the right guy comes in. And I think most of us agree that if you put down the list of candidates, Barry Trotz is here, and then it starts with everybody else. Um, the other thing, Reem, I mean, when we're talking about this, is that the timing does certainly seem great, and I know the Winnipeg Jets need to get on with this and find out one way or the other whether they're in on Barry Trotz, and if that's not the case, they do have to go to plan B. But I think every fan, and any fan that has been sort of, you know, on Shevel Dayoff and Mark Chipman for the way they've run things, I don't think you can complain about this. Be as aggressive as possible, get in there first, sit down with Barry Trotz, and... Uh, We'll see where things go. It's unrealistic to think that he probably won't meet with other teams, and those will be nervous moments, I'm sure, for all the Winnipeg Jet fans. And we'll see what happens with this meeting going today. But I'll tell you what, um, for someone that certainly is very personally invested in this club, wanting what's best for them, wanting to see this thing turn around, Barry Trotz is at the top of my list. And the fact that he took one week off and the week just ended and today he's meeting with the Winnipeg Jets sounds pretty good to me. Yeah, and I see some people just hopping in who, you know, may not be getting the Elliot, Elliot Friedman tweet alerts. But yes, he did report that Barry Trotz interviewing today for the coaching position. Now, we don't know if it's in Winnipeg or a Zoom meeting. We don't have any Winnipeg Sports Talk uh, cameras like hunkered down outside no. uh, the True North office. <laughs> Amanda just waiting, waiting to see where's is there any tabloid media here. I've in got Winnipeg. some guys in the organization. We see any special cars, any drivers roll in downstairs into the building. I'm not even sure where that they would do that. But where they're doing it, frankly, is inconsequential. It's about what they're talking about. Yeah. And, you know, I kind of mentioned, you know, the unique opportunity to come back to be a guy that could be the catalyst of something very special here in his home province is, I mean, to me, what separates Winnipeg's offer from where from anybody else 
hopefully that resonates with Barry Trotz and that means something to him. And I think there's a good chance that it does personally from where I'm sitting. I mean, the other thing is you're going to have to talk money. And I would imagine that there will be a, a checkout. They'll talk about, you know, what he's asking for. And, um, you know, I think as we spent a lot of time last week talking about it, whatever that cost is, I think it's probably worth it because there's not only an on ice component to this, but there's an off ice component. There is regaining the confidence that's eroded over the last little while amongst a section of Winnipeg Jet fans. And I think Barry Trotz could fix that very, very quickly. The other thing that's interesting, and again, oh, if we could only be a fly on the wall, is that outside of money, though, that opportunities, if you're interested in it, there's also control over the roster, working with Shevel Dayoff and management as to putting this team together. And I think in a lot of ways, Remus, that conversation, if money is not an issue, and listen, if it is an issue, you're probably not getting them because there's going to be some people that will be willing to spend top dollar on Barry Trotz. But how the organization would work, the arrangement between Trotz, between Shevel Dayoff, the vision that they have for the roster, the younger players, player changes and movement in the offseason, that, to be honest, I think might be the most fascinating part of all of it. Uh, because someone that has Barry Trotz's resume and has his level of success, I think in a lot of ways would like to be able to put his stamp in some ways on that roster um, as he sees it. And who knows, that could have been an issue that led to uh, the parting of ways in New York. Um, but that certainly will be something I'd imagine that would have to be addressed. It always seems like uh, Paul Maurice and Sheveldev maybe would collaborate on uh, some player decisions. And I think, you know, for a GM and a coach, you do have to kind of be you know, on the same page of what's going on, who's getting playing time. You can't have those disagreements. So, I, you know, a little feeling each other out. You know, nice to see that there is interest he didn't immediately dismiss winnipeg say no i'm not interviewing there it's too cold they had the, the worst winter ever you can't drive on the roads why would i why would i want to coach there but uh they are having a meeting and we'll wait and see how it goes it's it was nice to have some news thank you elliot again for the 12 30 uh tweet there right before the show so i think you just gotta hope that it goes goes well and you know maybe he could be the guy and if he does decide to come here but yeah uh, roster control, you know, salary, and I know there are a bunch of other teams. You know, Vegas. We're gonna see Toronto, not one of those teams, as they they gave their management a vote of confidence. So, uh, the Jets in the running. I think if you want to win, Huss, the Jets seem to be, you know, if you want to take a team from out of the playoffs to into the playoffs right away, the Jets seem to be very well positioned for that. You know, maybe Vegas mm. well, but they have they have some cap and goaltending issues. The Jets, I mean, they have one of the best goalies. In the well, league, you know, for sure. And listen, I mean, there, there's some world-class players on the Winnipeg Jets roster. You've got a an elite goaltender, which I know will put a smile on Barry Trotz's face. And I think a lot of options as to, you know, what happens as far as some key players, how the blue line looks next year. Um, and then there's Barry Trotz's thoughts on what's on the roster right now and how he could make it happen, how he could change things how he could get them into play, the buy-in, and maybe some of the guys that work with that and some of the guys that don't. That's probably a more secondary conversation once they're a little closer, if they do get to that point of having him, you know, deciding that he wants to, you know, come back to Manitoba and be the head coach of the Winnipeg Jets. Uh, but I think all of that is going to be talked about. And, and I have no idea whether some of that would be contentious. Um, I think you make a great point. I think it's quite clear that Paul Maurice 
had an incredible influence on the organization. And I think it was reported at other spots that, you know, at the end of Maurice's tenure here, the thought was that he would move into the front office. That, of course, is the other thing that, you know, we can't ignore. I mean, Pierre Lebrun reporting that Barry Trotz is interested in some sort of a management role. Now, obviously, that's not for right now, but I don't think you could have a better situation to bring in a Hall of Fame coach like Trotz to come in, turn this thing around, hopefully have a nice run, and then when he is finished, have him move into the front office to continue guiding this team going forward. I would think that that would be something the Jets would be open to. I mean, the one thing that I think we have to get back to, and you know, maybe newer fans or people that don't really remember, you know, when the team came here from uh, Atlanta in the first place, Reem, is that, you know, in a lot of ways, Mark Chipman and the Winnipeg Jets looked at the Nashville Predators and look at the way they started and they had to continue to David Poyle and Barry Trotz and built piece by piece, brick by brick, a team that ended up consistently competing for championships in the National Hockey League. Now, of course, they fell short, and Barry Trotz ended up going into the uh, going on his way, and he ended up winning the Cup in, uh, in Washington and then leaving right after that to New York in a very sort of bizarre set of circumstances. Um, but all of that, I think, is definitely going to come into play when we're talking about what would be on the table, how things would work going forward. Um, but I'll tell you, just right off the bat, the fact that the Jets have been aggressive enough that they are right there at the front of the line meeting with Barry Trotz today. I can only take it and I don't want to get too optimistic because I said there's lots of other things that need to happen and can and will happen. But just the optics of this from a Winnipeg's fan perspective that the first interview that Barry Trotz is taking, it's today, it's when the Winnipeg Jets after his week off um, can only give us a renewed sense of optimism when it comes to uh, maybe having Trotz come back here and take over the squad. Yeah, I mean, the excitement last week, last Monday, you'd think at the end of the Jet season where they didn't make the playoffs, you know, we wouldn't be a lot of excitement around the team, but they announced that he wasn't coming back. And our views at the channel on videos went absolutely through the roof. So a lot of, you know, who they decide to make as the next head coach, it says a lot about uh, the direction of the team. And if it is Barry Trotz, a guy who's had a history of winning, history of getting the most out of his teams, Stanley Cup champion, I, I think that does bring a lot of excitement for fans. And uh, I think a lot of confidence that this team is moving in the d right direction because what did Blake Wheeler say at the end of the season? Feels like we're back at, at square one. But, you know, if you maybe if you hire Trotz, you're taking a couple and you're skipping over you know, step two and three to get well, to step this. four. I hope that they do come in as if they're starting from scratch mm -hmm. and starting from step one at the end of the season. Like, I don't want anything. I want nothing to carry over from this past season and the way this team has played and sort of, you know, spiraled downwards since the 2017-18 season and the middle of the 28-19 season. I want all of that to be in the rearview mirror. And I think everyone in the organization should as well. It's great to sort of build things up, but I know that there was really the goal that the Winnipeg Jets had built a team that was going to be contending, contending for years. Well, that obviously didn't happen. And there's there has been clearly some major issues on the ice and maybe more seriously off the ice that has you know put this team where it is right now. So starting from scratch is fine. Every team starts from scratch at the uh, start of the next season. To listen to the Tampa Bay Lightning, they're not talking about being two-time defending champs when they drop the puck in game one of the regular season 
We're talking about going out, winning a game, and coming together as a team because there is changes each and every year. There's going to be changes this season, but the most important change is going to be the guy that is leading the culture change, leading the hockey team, and trying to get this thing turned around. Because while there will be changes, there's still going to be a lot of the, me the members of the team coming back next season. And the ability to get those guys not only playing their best and playing together, but enjoying themselves, enjoying playing for this team, enjoying playing a win Winnipeg, and enjoying being a part of it, I think is very important. And that obviously was not the case last season with Remo. And so when Blake Wheeler says it's sort of, you know, we're back, I mean, I guess it feels like a failure because of where they were, but it doesn't matter where they were. It's about where they are today and where they are going forward. And having a leader like Trotz to come in and steer the ship, I think he'll say exactly that. We are starting from square one. Everybody earns their spots. Show me what you got, and uh, let's go win some hockey game. Yeah, you know, how could we forget? Uh, I think it was Connor Hellebuck in preseason talking about how they were a budding dynasty. I think we can laugh at that. We do enjoy Connor Hellebuck's enthusiasm yeah. for the team. Anyone else, I'd be all over them. Connor, yeah. goalies, they're in their own planet. He has the greatest level of self-confidence maybe for any human walking the planet. That's what makes him good. Yeah. No complaints whatsoever no, I, I with know. those statements by Connor Hellebuck. That, that's fair. But we've talked about so much this year how Calgary, you know, that had that horrible season last year where they did not live up to expectations. They made some changes. They brought in a Stanley Cup uh, winning coach. Uh, there you go, Daryl Sutter. Well, Barry Trotz, he's also won a Stanley Cup. You know, they changed leadership group. Mark Giordano out. You know, do the Jets opt to change some leadership as well? I think that's something maybe a coach would want to look at just based on how things have gone this year. We haven't really talked about it on this, on this show, Hus, but, you know, some guys we saw step up this year in terms of taking accountability and do they get rewarded, you know, with the, with the letter on their Jersey. So, uh, you know, you look at the Calgary, can the Jets pull a Calgary like that could be winning the division. I'm, I'm not sure if they can, but I think they can get into the playoffs with a lot of the pieces they have and a couple minor tweaks. That's for sure. No, you're right. And, and, you know, I'll say this, and this is sort of a segue into the playoffs, and we're going to be talking with Tyler Remchuk in a minute about the Battle of Alberta before we bring Mike McIntyre in and talk more Jets offseason and his reaction to uh, what we're hearing about uh, these Elliot Friedman reporting, if you're just mentioning today, that the Winnipeg Jets are interviewing Barry Trotz for their head coaching vacancy today, uh, eight days after he was fired and said that he needed a week to, to figure things out. Well, it's happening today, and that obviously is a good sign that both there seemingly is interest on Trotz's side to hear the Winnipeg Jets out and discuss the opportunity, and at the same time that the Winnipeg Jets, immediately upon hearing that what would be a dream candidate was available, was in his ear going, you need a week? Great, we'll meet you the next day, and uh, we'll go from there. I imagine the... Uh, and, and, you know, <clears throat> the Jets are a weird team because True North has you know, traditionally been so tight with information and as is their right. And they've done a very good job about that. I mean, there's never really been any of the local guys, you know, since Gary left that have had a real sort of inside into the organization, it would seem. Darren Drager has been a guy before that, you know, has traditionally gotten more of the stuff and reportedly has a pretty good pipeline to Chevy, which was why the, you know, report last week that he had to say on the RP show that he does not see a scenario where Mark Shifley is a Winnipeg Jet next year is considerable. And obviously, Elliot is probably the best in the business. So whether, you know, some ties are stronger than others, 
certainly has uh, good enough tries, whether it's on the Jets side of things or whether it is on um, the trot side of things to, to let us know that this is happening today. But uh, all of that tying into the fact that, you know, we've got these playoffs right now. And you mentioned the Jets being a playoff team next year, Reem. There sort of is a bit of a hierarchy. Now, there's some great teams that were bounced in the first round. I'll put the Minnesota Wild in that category. I'll put the Toronto Maple Leafs in that category. Um, but we haven't seen a lot of the wild upsets that we'd seen in the past. I mean, it almost was like every year a seven or an eight seed would be knocking off a one or a two. And um, that hasn't really been the case so far this year. So I do think the Winnipeg Jets, you know, if you want to get back to being a cup contending team, there's probably a couple levels they need to make. But as I said, you can't be a playoff team until you have a good season. You can't be a good, uh, you have, can't have a good season until you get things working right on all aspects. That's what the first part of the job is. Um, and then, you know, whether the team is a true cup contender next year or a team that gets back in the playoffs, there are stages to turning things around. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, considering where the Jets were, and I don't want to say it's right back to square one like Blake Wheeler, although I think it will be in the minds of the coaches, hopefully in the players next year. There's a long ways to go, but not as far as many of the other teams that would be asking Barry Trotz to jump on board as their new bench boss. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I mean, you look at uh, Detroit, they, they're rebuilding, got a way to go. Philadelphia, I mean, they're pretty pretty far away. They were at the bottom of the standings. Uh, Vegas, they were, they were right there, but we'll have to wait and see what their roster looks like next year. So I think the Jets are in a good spot. And, you know, with some tweaks here and there, they can get back into the playoffs next year. And we can be having some of these big celebrations and parties that we're seeing in Edmonton and Calgary that are giving me some major, major FOMO while watching, uh, watching the broadcast. But uh, this is going to, I think this is going to be a pretty fun uh, Jets offseason. We're seeing a lot of interest in here by views, you know, our podcast downloads and, and people in the chat. So uh, nice to get some news here from Elliot. And come on, you're discrediting uh, Ken Weebs report about Chevy extension. He had that in his hit, hidden in his column. It hit, it's hidden in his column. That it, was the, that hidden was the in his key. column. You know, we're going to need to get Ken on, uh, on we, a plan. We never, we never really touched him on that, about how he hid that report about the three-year extension in his column. Didn't even tweet it. Like, does he not see what Kevin Weeks is doing? The insider of the people. Hey, yeah. what's going on? You NHL fans breaking news. It doesn't matter where he is, what he's doing. He'll drop a 15 or 20 second video on Twitter. Let everybody know what's up. We got it. We will work on that. That'll be a new year's a new season resolution to get Ken doing more stand up video on yeah. Twitter. What, one thing we didn't touch on yesterday before we get to Tyler, I just want to keep on the Jets news. Mike McIntyre reported some. Now I don't, I, I'm joking when I say big Jets news, but some Canada Life Center news that Moxie's closed there after 18 years. Yep. It had been a staple. And I know with the pandemic, you want to do some social distancing. I think we can all agree that it gets a little cramped on the concourse in between intermissions. Now, I don't know what the plan is, but if they were planning on opening, using that space to open it up and have you know, more concessions or more places for people to sit and stand, I think that would be a win. Um, I'm, I have no idea what their plan is, but I found it. I found it interesting when Mike. Uh, Mike I don't that. think. And again, uh, this is. This is. I'll just say this is speculation. I heard this from a couple people in and around the oh. uh, the rink on the weekend that the Moxies was being done was finished. And I don't think. I mean, it's not like another, like the Browns or Boston Pizza or anything is going in there. I do believe it's going to be um, managed by. 
True North, the organization. I think they are going to be doing some renos. I'm not sure whether it's going to operate as a restaurant seven days a week like the Moxies does now or whether it'll be something that will be built to accentuate events. So um, we'll stay on top of that. Uh, there have been many, many a, a beer, a cocktail enjoyed at that spot. I can tell you, you know, back when I was working there, that was a uh, probably once or twice a week for lunch, uh, meetings there. Um, and I think back to Brad Houghton and Paul Randall and the guys getting that going. God, that's unbelievable. 18 years ago when the building opened and just how much fun uh, it was uh, to be around there. And then and it was a spot for all the Moose games and the new arena. And then, of course, in 2011 for the first few seasons. Uh, absolutely. I mean, just another great thing that happened with the return of the Winnipeg Jets. It really revitalized the building, revitalized that spot. Um Another Moxie's gang. I've got a bunch of friends that work with the organization, um, expanding all across Texas and down into the United States. So they've got a lot of interesting stuff going on, but uh, no shortage of good spots to grab a bite or a beer after the game, especially over at Boston Pizza with our friends at City Place. That was where we were always before and after the game through all the jet days anyways, Reem. Oh, always at, at Boston Pizza. Yeah, great time there. A lot of TVs, uh, good setup. So... I just find I just wondered if they were going to keep the Moxies in there as a restaurant or just knock down the wall and have more room for people to roam around. It does during, give them some options. It does give them some options, and of course, the timing of it going into the off season mm. without the teams playing. I think you bring up a great point, and uh, I'll have to lean on uh, Kevin Donnelly, one of the guys over at True North, to give us some uh, some inside yeah, the, intel on the Food uh, Insider. You were reporting the, on beer bats at the Gold Eyes. This is, is we are we are the food and beverage insiders. We let the <laughs> Big J journos handle things like Barry Trotz interviewing mm -hmm. today with the Winnipeg Jets. Yes, that's happening. Elliot Friedman recorded it. I will be here to give you the breaking news, and I might do it. Hey, what's happening, all you NHL Jets fans and beer and food fans? Breaking news. And then I will do a Kevin Weeks-like report that lets you know what's happening at Moxie's going forward. I've always, I wish I had something to report where I could do a video starting with, hey, all you Winnipeg sports fans, we're, we're here, we got some news. Uh, the Gold Eyes now have nacho helmets. All right, have a good day. And I'll be like at the pool or... The weather's garbage, but I'm going to try and get out to the ballpark in the next couple of days and uh, either tonight, probably more likely tomorrow night, and do a, uh, well, we'll get the nacho helmet, we'll get the beer bat, and a couple other yeah. things. Oh, Ezra Ginsburg with the question of the day. What's Huss's favorite menu items from Moxie's? I had many. I always loved the burger there, and I probably got the steak sandwich quite a bit as well. Now, it's changed a little bit over the years, um, and they've got a great, uh, it, listen, I drink a lot of beer. I'll grab a little brown jug at most spots, but summer patio time, Moxie's was always good. They had some fruity, icy drinks that I would mix into the rotation every now and then as well. Uh, I have a feeling there's going to be plenty of drinks, speaking of that, consumed in Calgary and in Edmonton coming up over the next uh, two weeks. The Battle of Alberta gets going tomorrow. We're going to hit it from the Oilers side of things and the Flames side of things. Tomorrow, my guy Pat Steinberg is going to jump on with us on the program before game one in Calgary. And coming up in just a couple minutes, we'll hook up with Tyler Uremchuk from Oilers Nation and Daily Faceoff. Uh, but we are going to be getting right back to the trots train, as uh, it has just been uh, coined in the, uh, <laughs> in the chat. No, no longer talking about the Gus bus 24-7, the trots train, hopefully on a one-way <laughs> ticket to Winnipeg. And... Uh, yeah. 
the new head coach of the uh, of the Winnipeg Jets. But yeah, uh, before we do that, speaking of uh, coming back, you know, maybe I could talk to Pitt Turen and say, Pitt, we need to set something up. We need to sweeten the pot for Barry Trotz. He knows everything about what Manitoba's all about. Maybe we get him to come out to Aikens Lake for a few days this summer. World-class fly-in fishing in his home province, and uh, you'll be on the water in less than a couple hours from the city of Winnipeg. Uh, it's going to be their busiest summer ever, but if you are still thinking about maybe trying to get out to Aikens Lake, there are some limited availabilities over the course of the next couple months. Find out more online at AikensLake.com or hit them up on Twitter at Aikens Lake. We'll also take care of Barry Trotz's fence and his overhead door. We'll talk to our friends at Wallace and Wallace, Winnipeg's fencing and overhead door specialists, and say whatever Barry needs, we've got it. Uh, you, of course, you've seen them. They've been serving residential and commercial customers since 1946. If your uh, property needs the security and protection of a new uh, protection of a new fence, or if winter's done a number on your old one, give them a call. Vinyl, ornamental, welded wire, chain link, or wood. They've got the right fence for you. And maybe we'll be building Barry a new house here in Winnipeg. And we will get the best overhead garage door in the market. And we'll do that at Wallace & Wallace because they've got Winnipeg's largest selection of overhead garage doors. Hey, give them a call, 452-2700. The experts at Wallace will arrange a time to come out and give you a free estimate. You can also visit them online at wallacefences.com or pop down to their showroom at Lawson Road off of Keniston. Uh, our friends at F Apparel are ready for the summer. Wedding season is here. Don't wait on that new suit, guys. Everyone needs at least one suit that fits and looks great. You probably haven't worn one in the last couple of years because of the damn pandemic. Now's the time to shape up and get ready for uh, moving back into the public eye. F Apparel's custom-made suits start at just $400, and now's a great time to get out there. Over 250 new fabrics and styles available at F. Go see him, 190 Smith Street downtown, or make an appointment online at fephapparel.com. And of course, our friends at Vita Health Fresh Market have the best prices on Winnipeg's greatest selection of natural and organic supplements, beauty products, and groceries, not to mention delicious lunch options like Vita Market salads, soups, sandwiches, and more. And make sure you try the falafel salad, especially tasty, or get ready for a barbecue with delicious lean bison steaks or chicken. Uh, seven Winnipeg locations, including the newest store in Linden Ridge, and online at myvita.ca with their brand new fully shoppable website. You can buy online or schedule a delivery with Instacart. All right. There is going to be a lot of envy, I think, amongst uh, ourselves, everyone in this chat with the Jets being on the outside looking in. But the excitement of a battle of Alberta is going to be next level. I've been hoping for it all year long. It was touch and go on the weekend with two game seven finishes for the Flames and Oilers. But the great rivals are going head-to-head -head beginning tomorrow night in Calgary. We'll head to Calgary tomorrow to get Pat Steinberg's take from a Flames side of things. But right now, let's head to northern Alberta, Edmonton, and welcome in Tyler Uremchuk of Daily Faceoff and Oilers Nation. Mike McIntyre coming up in about 15 minutes for more on the Trots Watch. Tyler, what's going on? What's the vibe like in uh, in E-Town right now? Uh, I'm just kind of, you know, pacing around my apartment. Keep looking at the watch. How many hours till game one? How many hours till game one? Everyone's super fired up. Like both these cities. I was talking to some friends down in Calgary and they're like, yeah car flags on everything, flames jerseys everywhere you look. And it's the same thing here in Edmonton. People are so jacked. 
the weekend itself, I mean, from a hockey fan's perspective, was oh. absolutely incredible. I mean, five game sevens, but I mean, the late games, the main event, both nights had so much meaning. First things first, uh, your thoughts on the Oilers gutting it out, winning in game seven and the way that um, the best in the world put a team on his back in the seventh game. Yeah, I was just going to say, you know, Connor McDavid, that's the take, right? This guy, you can even go back to the last 10 minutes of game five where he willed that game to overtime. Game six, he was absolutely outstanding. Game seven, I mean, what can you say? He was on the ice in game six and seven for every one of the goals that the Oilers scored. Even if he didn't factor into it with a point, he was on the ice for it. That guy was single-handedly driving the Oilers. And for him, like, I was in the rink for game seven. For that goal to come at that point and for it to be Connor McDavid of all people who scores it. I mean, the building went into a frenzy and it just speaks to how special players like that always have sort of that knack for doing it at the right moment, right? The most bizarre thing about the entire weekend of hockey with five game sevens was that two nothing win by Edmonton was the 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 largest margin of victory in any five of the games. Um, but it was very tight. Jonathan Quick, that being said, I mean, he kind of dialed it back 10 years. I don't think they had much business being in this series and being in that game at that point, but they were. Um, how nervous was, were you in the fan base kind of as that game got into the late stages with it still being anyone's game? Well, let me go back earlier in the series here, obviously on a Winnipeg show, breaking down this series, people said, oh, it just feels like the Edmonton-Winnipeg series from a year ago. And I said, listen, Jonathan Quick can be fine, but they're not running into Connor Hellebuck here. He's not putting up Connor Hellebuck numbers. And then sure enough, there was a few games where Jonathan Quick kind of looked like a small version of, uh, of Connor Hellebuck. Um, he was unreal for a few games, but I still, my take throughout that series, and I'll stand with it now, is that when the Oilers brought their A game, the Kings didn't stand a chance. The games they lost, it really just felt like it was Edmonton making sloppy mistakes. It was the Mike Smith error in game one. So you flash forward to game seven, and it was like, all right, if the Oilers bring their A game, they should have a good shot here. Through the first period, they just rolled. They dominated. Second period, they kept rolling. Like, L.A. barely had any high-danger scoring chances. But as it got to the back half of the second period, I was kind of sitting there going, oh, boy, like, this game is probably going to be decided by one bounce. And the way Jonathan Quick is rolling right now, that one bounce very well may not go the Oilers' way. So there was some tension in the building. And then Cody Cece scores. You always need those unlikely sources of offense in the playoffs. And then even in the third period, I give the Oilers a ton of credit. They didn't really seem like they wanted to just sit back and protect that lead. They kept pushing the pace forward. And that started again with their leader, Connor McDavid, who ultimately scored the big goal. So there were some nervous times, but there was also, you had that feeling like, okay, they're clearly the better team. Like hopefully the hockey gods are with them tonight. Well, one of the things that the hockey gods haven't been too kind with is injuries. And, you know, we talk a lot about McDavid, but Leon Dreisaitl is right there amongst that pantheon of the best on the planet. And he's obviously nicked up. Although that being said, he still managed to play, what, nine minutes in the second period and 22 in game seven. I mean, incredible effort by Leon. But what do you make of his condition going into the Battle of Alberta? Have there been any updates and how impactful might that be against a very deep and strong Calgary squad? No updates and heading into a series where the margins are going to be razor thin. The Oilers either not having their second best player or having their second best player at 60, 65 percent. That's not good going into this thing. You know, like I said, it's going to be tight. Every game is going to be decided likely by a bounce or two. And Drysaddle is a guy who can impact the game in that way. The way he gutted it out in game seven was just unbelievable. Like you could tell he had the turning radius of an 18 wheeler. Like he could barely stop and start. He was just out there being a slow moving playmaker instead of the dynamic dry 
that we're used to. But you mentioned he played over 20 minutes. He played almost 19 minutes at five on five. He was taking faceoffs late in the game, which is something he wasn't doing earlier in the game when they were really seemingly trying to protect him a little bit. The question has been asked, do you sit him for two games, right? Do you go, okay, games one and two, we're going to put him on the side. We'll try to win in Calgary without him. And we'll see, we'll see if maybe he can get up to 80, 90% if we give him four more days off. I don't know how to feel about that because high ankle sprains usually take weeks to recover from. So is dry settle going to get that much better in four days? I don't know. So it'll be really interesting. That's probably the number one storyline heading into game one here is will dry settle play and how will they use them? I have a feeling it'll be power play specialist winger on McDavid's line versus what he's been all year, which is the dynamic second line center. Yeah, well, I mean, it certainly does give a big opportunity for somebody else to step up and uh, fill some big shoes by Leon Dreisaitl. Uh, Tyler, what do you make of the Flames? I- I'll be honest. I mean, I spent a lot of time at the end of last season coming out of their miserable year in the Canadian division, missing the playoffs, doing Calgary radio, and it seemed like everyone was ready to blow the team up. There was no confidence that Daryl Sutter was going to be the answer. They didn't really do too much in the offseason. They lost Giordano. They added Blake Coleman. And they turned into an absolute powerhouse. I mean, uh, big picture, what have you thought of the season the Calgary Flames had and, uh, you know, the the challenge that they pose for an Oiler team with a lot of momentum coming out of that first round win? Yeah, I mean, part of it's goaltending, right? Jacob Markstrom wasn't good in the bubble year or in the Canadian division year. Jacob Markstrom was a Vesna finalist this season, right? So he's been unbelievable. The impact of having Daryl Sutter around has been strong as well. That team just doesn't bleed a lot of chances, right? Like, as great as Markstrom is, they don't give up a ton of high-danger looks. And when you have a goalie as good as Markstrom is, that usually is a pretty good recipe for success, right? But I did notice towards the end of the year when some shooting percentages started to drop, they started to struggle at points. And I do think this is a team that, while yes, they won the division, I'm not sold on them being the juggernaut that a lot of sort of experts and models think they are. I also think the stylistic change from playing Dallas to playing Edmonton could really work out in the Oilers' favor in this matchup. Dallas plays that 1-3-1, right? They slow it down. They don't want to give you scoring chances. Yeah, they'll, they'll, they'll try score maybe at some points, but their main focus is on shutting you down. Okay, well, Edmonton's the opposite. Edmonton's down to just play fire wagon hockey and go back and forth nonstop. And the other thing is, since Jay Woodcroft took over, they've been not just one of the best teams in the NHL overall, one of the best teams in the NHL five on five. So I'm seeing a lot of takes at all. Calgary's just this juggernaut built for the playoffs, all this stuff. And I kind of sit there, I go, you know, over the last few months of the season, they were good, but Edmonton was right there with them. And I do think, again, that stylistic change, it'll be interesting to see how the Flames adjust to having to play a team that's just vastly different than the Dallas Stars. Tyler, your Ramchuk from Daily Faceoff and Oilers Nation with us on Winnipeg Sports Talk, getting ready for the Battle of Alberta. You mentioned Jay Woodcroft, and this is sort of an interesting tie into Winnipeg. I mean, the Oilers and Jets both had great starts to the season. They had those two back-to-back games in November, which were two of the best games we've seen all year, certainly from a Jets perspective. I mean, really exciting back-to-back. And then they both absolutely bottomed out for the better part of the next couple months. Both had coaching changes. The Jets did not see any big turnaround. Edmonton was the complete opposite. From your perspective, what did Jay Woodcroft do that made the Oilers so successful in such a stark contrast to what they'd done before? And how impactful might he be in this series of the Battle of Alberta? He'll have a huge role to play. And like I said, since Woodcroft took over, the Oilers jumped from a bottom third team at five on five in the NHL all the way up to like a top five team. And I give a lot of credit to Jay Woodcroft coming in and just giving them that bit of breath of fresh air, right? Tippett had been around for a few years. There wasn't a lot of success. And I just felt like things weren't going well. And the team, for lack of a better phrase, and maybe tuned him out a little bit. The other guy who deserves a ton of credit, here's Dave Manson, who was down with Woodcroft and Bakersfield handling those young defensemen that have been coming up through the Oilers system. 
And Manson took the approach of their D were suddenly going to get aggressive. They were jumping up the far side in the rush a lot more, not sitting back and playing safe in a more traditional way that Jim Playfair had them going. And they were way more aggressive attacking the other team right at the blue line. When the opposition's coming in on the rush, the D-men weren't just sitting back trying to keep them to the outside. They were going up, pinching up, trying to get the puck back. And I do think that helped again with the style of hockey the Oilers like to play of let's burn them in transition. Let's use our speed. Let's use our high-end forwards. Let's not sit back and have this patient ho-hum approach of let them take the zone, let them pass around, and we'll try to get the puck back eventually. It was like, no, that's our puck. We're going to take it back. And Dave Manson kind of brought that mentality to their blue line. So Woodcroft deserves a ton of credit. How he handles the matchups in this series, can he get McDavid away from Lindholm? Can he get McDavid away from the Hannafin-Anderson pairing? That's huge. But I also think the way their blue line makes life easy on Mike Smith, a lot of credit there goes to Dave Manson. Well, and, and as big of an addition, <clears throat> the uh, you know Woodcroft and Manson were on the bench. Our old buddy, the Naturals, doing his thing for you guys, riding shotgun with Connor McDavid. I mean, listen, Evander Kane's pissed a lot of people off everywhere he's been before, but it sounds like he's making a lot of fans in Edmonton. I mean, you watched every game. I mean, the impact that Connor McDavid or the uh, that Evander Kane has made, how it's changed the team, and how important a guy like that is going to be up against going up against a team like the Calgary Flames. Full transparency. When they signed him, I said I wouldn't do it. I said, this guy's a headache in the locker room. This locker room isn't doing great right now because it was right around that coaching change time. And I said, this is a mistake. You're bringing a guy in who, again, Winnipeg, Buffalo, San Jose, it's bad everywhere. And then he got on the ice and it was like, oh yeah, there's a reason teams have paid this guy like seven plus million dollars before because he can score 40 goals in an 80 game season. And, you know, his numbers got inflated a little bit with some empty netters and things like that. But he brought some tenacity, some hard forechecking that the Oilers really didn't have in this lineup. And I think he draws other players into the fight as well. And that's really important. So the goal scoring has been great with Evander Kane, whether he's with McDavid or giving them some secondary scoring elsewhere. He brings a ton of value to the table. And this guy scored pretty much a goal a game in round one against the LA Kings. I mean, I know you're a betting man. I'm looking at his over-under of three goals in this second series. I'm hammering that. That's an absolute lock. Well, and, and you know what? Just the, especially the physical nature that Calgary yeah. plays. I mean, I think he's going to be that much more important. He and Zach Cassian as well, who, <clears throat> I mean, you want to talk about an enigma. This is a guy that can literally disappear for months at a time, but at playoff time, all of a sudden can lay a big hit, get into it, make an impactful play, score a goal. Uh, I would imagine these two guys, as important as they were, especially Vander in round number one, their importance is going to be jacked up exponentially if uh, the Oilers want to go toe-to-toe with the Flames. Yep, they're going to need to have hard four checkers. And it, this is a bit of a long thing, but on that last McDavid goal, Sean Dursey just made a brutal mental gaffe. He started looking at the ref, complaining, totally lost where he was on the ice after McDavid zipped by him. And I think that mental gaffe was a result of, one, McDavid hammering him all series, and two, the Oilers' four checkers just being right on those L.A. demon. I think a lot of the mistakes L.A. made in game seven that allowed the Oilers to keep a ton of possession and allowed that winning goal that or that second goal to happen in the two nothing win. I think that was a result of the Oilers four checkers just being dogs on bones. Like Archibald was unreal. Hyman was in there. Kyler Yamamoto for a guy that's five foot, whatever he four checks, like an absolute demon Kane and Cassian obviously have huge roles to play in there. The one thing I'll add against LA, we saw it at times where the Oilers crossed that line. You saw Nurse get suspended. You saw Mike Smith take a stupid penalty in game six. You saw Evander Kane have the cross check as well that got him in some hot water. As much as you want them to be hard and tenacious and four check and force turnovers, when the whistle goes, the Oilers need to be certain that that's it. 
And as much as you want to push and shove, you can't cross that line. And I do worry about that a little bit with guys like Kane and Cassian specifically. Well, it should be great. Tyler, uh, listen, we've talked about what's going to happen on the ice. Let's quickly talk of what's going to happen off the ice for a minute. Give us an idea of the hysteria in both cities about this. How many visiting fans do you think will be at both games? And what what are you seeing on, uh, on StubHub and the secondary ticket site? I imagine that tickets are as expensive as they've been in a long, long time in both cities. Yeah. Yeah, I haven't checked for uh, either of the BOA games here, but that game seven against the Kings, I think the cheapest you could get in in the nosebleeds was like four fifty a pop. Um, I even saw someone was selling a loge table, which is just three high chairs sort of in the middle of the arena and a table, ten grand for game seven. Like that's that's insanity, right? Like who who's paying ten grand to watch a hockey game? Although you could argue maybe it was worth it considering how game seven went. I'm not sure about visiting fans. Like there will obviously be a little, but I know for us at Oilers Nation, we debated bringing a bus down, and then we were kind of like, ah, you know what? Maybe it's better to just own our city and throw some big watch parties in our city. So I'm sure there will be, uh, you know, you'll, an, enemy, an enemy territory a lot, these two fan bases. Um, but the city's buzzing right now. Like after game seven, it was a Saturday night as well. Um, this place, like I saw people comparing it to 06. And I'm just kind of like shaking my head. I'm like, 06 was the cup final. This is round one. And I think maybe it's a lot of people like built up pandemic stuff where they just want to go and let loose and party now because they haven't seen the Oilers in the playoffs in so long. But it's it's mayhem in this city, and I, I'm absolutely here for it. I'll say this, and I think you could talk to fans, long-suffering fans of both teams, and obviously everybody wants the ultimate goal of winning the Stanley Cup. But outside of winning the Stanley Cup, winning the first battle of Alberta in over three decades, oh. I'm sure would be a very, very close second. I have never seen a Battle of Alberta playoff series in my life. I was six years away from being born when this <laughs> thing happened in 1991. Like, just the energy is something I've, I've never felt before. Even back in 2017, like, yeah, the city was buzzing when they went to the second round against Anaheim. But this just has a totally different feel. And I also, like, as much as everyone's jacked up, there's a little bit of nerves. Because if you lose this series, it might be 30 years until you get the bragging rights back. Stakes are high. There's no doubt about it. What uh, what do you and the nation crew have planned for uh, for the games? I mean, I know we've got you know a lot of you know Winnipeg expats that are out in the Alberta yeah. area that follow or maybe cheer for both teams. Uh, if people are in the Edmonton area, are you guys doing some uh, some big batches with everyone throwing the blues on and supporting the squad? Yeah, we absolutely are. We do a watch party for every game, home or away, where we give away tickets to the next home game and jerseys and all of that stuff. So a ton of cool stuff going on. I keep it locked on our socials, sort of as always, but we're throwing big parties. We're doing pregame shows all over the city. Like we are totally, totally jumping into this thing. Cause how could you not? Well, you know what? There is a, there's a chance I might just show up on the weekend. So what? Uh, maybe we'll have a beer with you guys and see what's up. I'll be Switzerland in this, uh, you know, uh, Jets fan in between yeah, yeah. the claims and the yeah. Oilers, but I'll tell you what, I cannot wait for it. Tyler, I know you and the gang have a lot going on this week. Really appreciate it. Folks check out Oilers nation. Of course, all the great work going with Frank and the boys over at daily Faceoff. Enjoy the battle of Alberta, Tyler. I'm going to try to not have a heart attack. Thanks. All right. Good stuff. Battle of Alberta goes tomorrow. I'm fired up for it. I think it's going to be great. We will talk from a Calgary perspective tomorrow with uh, my buddy, Pat Steinberg. We're going to get back to the Jets, though. Mike McIntyre is going to join us in just a couple minutes. Uh, do want to thank our great friends at Culligan Water, the water experts in Manitoba for over 65 years for their supports of Winnipeg Sports Talk. Culligan's got it all. Whatever you need, water softeners, filters, bottled water coolers, whole home systems, drinking water systems, and citywide water delivery services, as well, of course, as commercial and industrial water products and solutions. Whether you need it for the home, the cottage this summer, or your business, 
Cullion's got you covered. Visit them at 1200 Sargent Avenue or online at drinkculligan.com. Manitoba Battery, Donnie and the boys, working a little OT for you so you can get the best prices on your battery at a convenient time outside of regular your regular work hours. They're now open for spring and summer from 8 a.m. until 8 p.m. over at 1026 Logan Avenue. Save time and money. You're going to save money on the battery straight up from Costco or Canadian Tire. You're not going to have to deal with the parking lots and the uh, mazes that are the big box stores. And if you want, you can give the experts at Manitoba Battery a call ahead, 783-8787. Tell them exactly what you need. They'll have it ready for you quick and easy for pickup until 8 p.m., over at manitobabattery.com. Shop local, save time and money with Manitoba Battery. Also visit them online at manitobabattery.com. Well, I mentioned yesterday, I have a feeling they might have a bit of run on Oilers and Flames gear over the next little while, maybe from some Alberta expats that want to fly their flags and their colors over the course of the Battle of Alberta this weekend. Uh, whether we're going to be getting Barry Trotz Jets jerseys at some point next year. I guess we'll see. Bottom line is, if you're looking for merch, Royal Sports is the merchandise superstore from every league in North America, not to mention an incredible selection of soccer jerseys from around the world. And speaking of soccer, Team Canada, Canada men's national team jerseys coming in by the day, Alfonso Davies jerseys as well, and the World Cup we can in there as well. Expanded soccer department right now, softball, baseball, fitness center, not to mention tons of bikes coming in by the week. Royal Sports really does have it all. Pop down and visit them, 750 Pemina Highway, or follow them on Instagram, Royal Sports Pemina, for the latest merchandise drops and sales. And hey, quick golf report for you. No Phil Mickelson at the PGA Championship, but it sounds like Tiger Woods is going to give it a go. He was out there at Southern Hills playing a practice round yesterday. Walking with the foreplay boys from Barstool. They had a thrill of a lifetime with that. It's always a thrill to see Tiger. I actually got a chance to see Tiger win the PGA Championship 15 years ago at Southern Hills. So he's back looking for more. The event gets going on on Thursday. And I just made a 50-person DraftKings contest for the PGA Championship. We always like to do a bigger one for the majors. We did Masters a month ago or so. The PGA is open right now. I just looked as we came into the segment. Uh, we've got about 20 or so spots available. Get in there right now. If you uh, don't haven't been in one of our contests before, send us a tweet to uh, Winnipeg Sports Talk or Sports Talk WPG. Myself or Remus will get you in. Of course, our golf reports are courtesy of our friends over at Breezy Bend. Looking for a golfing home for the future for you and your family with a great junior program, women's program, awesome course with con continuous improvements and a beautiful clubhouse and patio. Breezy's the spot for you. Check them online at breezyben.ca or give a call and talk to our good friend, Corey Johnson. All right, lots to get to with Mike McIntyre, who joins us now fresh off of the course in another one of the media challenge matches. Now, Mike, before we get to the big story of the day, which is not the golf game, unfortunately, I will ask you about it. Ken sheepishly came on the program last Friday and confided to us that Scott Billick had, in fact, taken the belt. And there was Scott this morning tweeting, the belt is going on the line today. Did he manage to defend it? Did Ken get it back? Or did you shock the world and take both of those jabronis out? Uh, 
I hate to say it, Huss. I, I, I got the bronze medal today out of the three of us. Uh, we actually had Sean Reynolds in the group as well. Rennie as well. How, how does Rennie hit him? Well, not to throw Sean under the bus, but uh, he, he, didn't, he didn't make the podium out of the four of us. I see. He was off the podium. Uh, although he, he certainly turned it on at the end. Uh, he had a few good holes to end. No, Kenny, Kenny lapped the field with us. I think Ken's back. He is. Uh, in fact, he was flirting at one point with a career high or career low. Sorry. He had, uh, he had three red numbers on the card today. Huss. Uh, I had any this, ones. I no ones. No, <laughs> uh, but, but three birdies. And he actually fired a sizzling 80. Um, and so he, uh, he handily took the belt back. I think, I think he was actually, the gauntlet was thrown down by Billick last week and he responded accordingly with, uh, with, with a really good round. So Scott edged me out. In fact, Scott and I, we were, we were tied as we stood on the 18th tee and, uh, Scotty got me by two strokes on the last hole. So he, he narrowly took the silver, but we were both a distant second and third to, uh, to Aces Weeb, who well, uh, was in fine form. That's good. Ken's self-esteem was really struggling over no. the course of the weekend. So oh, this will be about, big. This we heard be... about it. Trust me. <laughs> yeah. Uh, your show and, and, and the appearance. Now, <laughs> Kenny was telling Scott that he gave him proper accolades on your show last week. He did. Scott, yeah, Scott, Scott uh, he must not listen to the show, Huss, because he didn't believe it. He, he thought that Kenny hadn't given him the platitudes he deserved. Nope. Um, so, uh, but his, the, the universe is back, uh, to normal I think, today <laughs> with, uh, with Kenny on top. Well, let's get to it as much as I always love the, the golf updates from you guys in the head to head matches during the off season, uh, the off season for the Winnipeg Jets seems to be in full gear. And while you were on the course and while we were getting ready for a show, Elliot Friedman tweeted out that Barry Trotz is interviewing with the Winnipeg Jets for the coaching job today. I think we all expected and hoped that that would happen at some point, Mike. But I mean, my first take from this was, well, he got fired last Monday. He put out to everyone that he needed a week to sort of gather his thoughts and, you know, see what's happened. Well, that week ended up yesterday and they're meeting today. Listen, I'll say one thing. I mean, credit to True North for obviously being at the front of the line, being aggressive and getting that audience. And as I mentioned before, I'm not going and doing a lot of interviews for jobs that I'm not interested in taking. Although no. you'd like to get information. I mean, what what's your takeaway from the Jets getting an interview and presumably being at the front of the line for the services of Barry Trotz with a meeting today? Well, I'd put it this way, Huss. As much as the Jets are interviewing Barry Trotz today, I also look at it as Barry Trotz is interviewing the Winnipeg Jets today. And, you know, what I mean by that is that Barry Trotz is going to have his his pick, I would imagine, of where he wants to go. Because I, I, I suspect the Jets are not the only interested team. In fact, there's another team that just cleared a coaching uh, vacancy yesterday, Haas, that I suspect would also like to interview Barry Trotz. But I'm sure the Jets would like to not even allow it to get to that point. And, I mean, I, I think so much of it comes down to what Barry Trotz wants to do does he want to test the market does he want to make the rounds and see you know what 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 the situation is at a number of stops or 
does what he hear from Kevin Cheveldayoff and company today, um, does that sell him on the job? Because I think as much as <laughs> trots, normally a coach would have to sell the franchise on why you should hire the coach. But when you're Barry trots, it's not like he, he, he's an unknown um, that, that you're taking a risk on, right? I think it's it's a matter of whether there's a fit to be found. And so certainly it bodes well for the Jets that they get the audience with trots. I guess the big looming question is, uh, after that meeting is over today, where do things go? Is it is it that they there there's a mutually beneficial fit seen by both sides, or is it that you know we'll get I'll get back to you, you know Barry Trot says to True North, uh, because he wants to maybe explore some other opportunities, and so that's the burning question. But I think for people out there who who maybe feared that Trotz didn't want to come to Winnipeg or, you know, and I couldn't imagine a scenario where Winnipeg wasn't interested in Trotz, but those fears at the very least should be put to rest by the fact that the two sides are breaking bread together. As, as Elliot Friedman reported, it's just a question of whether they can, um, <laughs> you know, have the full meal, if you will. Yeah, you know, from my perspective, Mike, I mean, listen, it's a good sign. I mean, I was personally, I'm like, hey, this is great. The fact that it's happening as quickly as it was, it would seem right. like the Jets are getting the first crack at, you know, talking to Barry about it. And I guess there's always a chance that because of people he knows and, you know, the fact that he's from here, he afforded them that first opportunity because, frankly, they were more than ready not yeah. being in the playoffs. Um, but it is an opportunity. I mean, in any negotiation, when you have someone that is a hot free agent, if you can get in there, um, you know, there's an element of trying to close the deal. What do you think are the things that are, are discussed? I mean, I, I've said this from the get-go, and so much of this is in Barry Trotz's court, as you just mentioned. But the yeah. one thing that separates Winnipeg, even if you take away the rosters, the talent, what the coach thinks of all of the prospective teams that might be interested in hiring him, the one thing that's different here than anywhere else is the fact that it would be a homecoming, it's a community that he knows very well, that he's still very close from. I, I wanted to mention this earlier on the program, but for people that are wondering, like, oh, well, does he, Barry Trotz, really care about that? Barry Trotz absolutely has always shown how much he cares about. He's come back to speak for the Bison's hockey dinner in season. He's come yes. back to be a part of Hockey Manitoba coaching clinics. I mean, this is not a guy. Often guys, you know, they come up in Winnipeg, they get an opportunity elsewhere, and they're done. They'll send a couple text messages to check in on going on. That's not Barry Trotz as well. So he still does have close ties to this community, to this province. And I would say that the opportunity to be a, uh, you know, to be the guy that, you know, comes in, takes over this team, from a coaching standpoint and helps turns it around would be a great opportunity if he's interested in it outside of that mike what else do you think i mean obviously there's going to be a money conversation there's going to be a lot of it considering the other teams the other thing that's fascinating to me is the report that he would like to go into management afterwards what is there afterwards for him and then i guess the other thing and this might be more impactful than anything else control of the roster having a say in player movement, essentially working with Kevin Sheveldayoff and the front office in helping shape this roster. What do you think about that conversation? How will that go? Um, and how important is that for True North to, you know, it really 
embolden Barry Trotz knowing that he won't just be getting these players and doing what he's doing, but he'll be part of creating and working this turnaround both from the bench as well as from a personnel standpoint? Or will that be the case? I would expect it absolutely would be the case for some of the reasons you just outlined, Huss, that we know Barry Trotz has some aspirations perhaps beyond coaching to get into, you know, another layer of, of, of NHL, you know, management, um, personnel decisions. And, you know, to me, if you're the Jets and you're true North, I don't think you have any issue giving a guy like Barry Trotz that kind of power, even off the hop. And, and the reason I say that is Paul Maurice had a lot of that power um, you know, so this this would not be a new thing for True North that they're going down some road that is foreign to them. We know that that Paul Maurice was extremely close with Mark Chipman, certainly with Kevin Chevaldeoff, um, that, that, you know, he had their ear and he had a lot of say in a way that maybe a lot of coaches around the league don't. So I don't think this would be a, you know, a dramatic departure for True North from maybe the way they've done business because they kind of had that set up with Paul Maurice. Um, so when you're talking about, you know, issues or, or questions, if you're Barry Trotz and you're looking at this situation in Winnipeg, to me, Haas, a big question that I would have if I'm Barry Trotz is who's my number one center this fall? Um, what's happening with Mark Shifley? Barry Trotz, no doubt, would have seen and heard, you know, the the post uh, season availability with Mark Shifley. You'd also see the way um, he played this year. He would also have seen the way he played, absolutely. Uh, and, you know, I, if I'm Barry Trotz, I want to know what's happening, you know, right off the hop with the number one center, or the if you want to call him the one A one B, if you have Pierre Luc Dubois up there as well. But Mark Shifley as we sit here today, is not just a member of the Winnipeg Jets. He's a pivotal member of the Winnipeg Jets. And he will remain that way until and unless he's not. So if you're Barry Trotz, I suspect you want to know what's happening there. Are, uh, have, you know, have, um, have fences been mended? Uh, or is this, are we trading this guy? Are you trading this guy in the summer? And you know, and you want to make sure you're not getting into a rebuild. And I think that there's no sense of that that I get from the Jets. First of all, if you're bringing in Barry Trotz, you're not rebuilding. You're not tearing things down and kind of starting from scratch. Um, and again, with the core that the Jets have, you know, two more years of Connor Hellebuck, two more years of Blake Wheeler. Um, you know, we could go down the list, right? Like, you're you're spending to the cap. You're trying to win. You're trying to retool, not not rebuild. And but but what you do with Mark Shifley is a big offseason question for sure. And I suspect Barry Trotz, you know, would would at least want to go down that road a bit as he sits down with True North to kind of get a, a sense of of what they're thinking. Well, you know, let's talk Shifley for a minute because, of course, Darren Drager, who's got a pretty good line into Kevin Sheveldayoff, history has told us before, went on the RP show last week and said he doesn't see a scenario where Mark Shifley is a member of the Winnipeg Jets next year, which right. was interesting, I think, noteworthy because of that, be, let's say, because of the relationship that they've had in the past and the 
correct reports that he has in. I mean, guys aren't speculating when they say things like that, especially as unequivocally. I guess a two-part question, what did you make of that? And do you think that the potential of Barry Trotz being hired changes that at all? Well, I'm not surprised, you know, Darren said that. I think, you know, I I was on the show, I think you asked me a few weeks ago for my kind of odds, and I think I said 90%. Uh, yeah, it went from 60% to 90% after right. we heard Mark speak at the end of the season. Yeah, that, that, that he would not be on the, on the roster come the fall. So that's not a hundred percent, but certainly, you know, that, that was my sense of it. Just not only from what I saw and, and observed, but from just what I heard within the organization over, uh, over this season, it, it feels like it's a fait accompli in a way. And it's just a question of, trying to find, you know, a right, a fit and, and a return that the Jets could certainly live with. That doesn't mean that, you know, they don't have to trade Mark Shifley. He's under contract for two more years. He's not a pending UFA that's going to walk. But I think, you know, it felt like enough bridges were burned. Um, but Barry Trotz, for sure, would be an interesting... Um, you know, added ingredient to this whole affair, right? And and you wonder if you're if you're Mark Shifley, is bringing in a Barry Trotz, knowing he won a Stanley Cup uh, with Washington. Um, he got a player like Alex Ovechkin to become, you know, a better version of Alex Ovechkin, a, a version that that won a, a cup. Um, are you intrigued by that? And does that soften your stance? And again. There's no indication Mark Shifley has flat out said, um, I, I demand you trade me. <clears throat> we also, I mean, what's he going to do other than I guess he could, he could, you know, not show up and not honor his contract, but his options are limited for sure. And I wouldn't expect him to do that. But that being said, you know, uh, well, he hasn't demanded a trade. I think he made it pretty clear that he would like a change of scenery, uh, but I don't know what, what the addition of a Barry Trotz, whether that would give him, you know, pause for thought and maybe does he want to give it a go? And do the Jets want, want him back to kind of give it a go or do they feel that ship has sailed? And uh, I mean, that's, that's, that's an answer that I suspect really only Mark Shifley, maybe his agent, maybe Kevin Shoveldayoff have right now. Yeah. Well, and listen, I mean, I think regular listeners of our conversations over the course of this year kind of know where I'm on that. I mean, I think we saw the ship sailing throughout the season this year, and it was an exclamation point to the statement that the play made with what he had to say at the end. And then, of course, to me, the Drager report almost just confirmed that, that the team has acknowledged that going forward, which is interesting, Mike, because bringing it back to trots, if they're meeting today and they're going over the situation and they're, Hey, this is what's happening with the hockey club. And, you know, they would give him more information on that. I think part of the reason why, you know, it is so important for this team to get ahead of this and to meet with their number one choice today, see where that's going and continue to go is because you really would want the new head coach, especially someone like Barry Trotz to be on board with the decision and potentially involved in the decision in the return that comes back in a deal for Mark Shifley. I mean, if you're trading your number one center, um, I think it's incumbent, especially when you've got a veteran experienced guy that will have some say, I'd imagine, in how the team is going to go forward. 
I would say it's absolutely important to have that guy on side and potentially to be part of the conversations as opposed to the many options they have for moving a player like that if they do get to that point, presumably before the draft. For sure. And ideally, there's sort of an order of events that you'd like, you know, to tick off, if you will, on your to-do list. And I think the head coach, you know, that that's a huge decision, especially when you have a candidate like a Barry Trotz that is probably going to be, you know, in, in hot pursuit from other teams. Um, you want to find out real quick, are, are we, do we have a chance? And, and if you do have a chance, you want to try and get that deal done uh, before anyone else can kind of swoop in. So um, I think time is of the essence. You know, Kevin Chevaldeoff has at his end of year availability, didn't give a timeline on the coaching search. And he spoke of, you know, potential assistance that were still in, in, in the Stanley Cup playoffs and how that might impact the timeline. But again, Barry Trotz was employed by the New York Islanders when Kevin Chevaldeoff had that availability. He no longer is employed. And to me, that was a game changer. And that's where you kind of rip up maybe whatever plans you had for uh, a lengthy process and, you know, uh, you know, crossing all the T's, dotting all the I's. If you can get Barry Trotz's name on a, on a contract, the sooner the better. And so I think if you're True North today uh, is all about kind of gauging how close you might be to that becoming a reality. And, you know, I think at the end of the day, the ball is going to be in Barry Trotz's court. Does he have other job interviews that he wants to do before he makes a decision? Um, you know, we're not sure, but I do suspect a team like Vegas, um, after the move they made yesterday, would very much be interested in speaking with Barry Trotz. The question, I guess, is, is Barry Trotz interested in speaking with Vegas? Well, and it's funny. I mean, I was having some fun with this yesterday on the program, uh, kind of with a bit of a plea to Barry to you know, get back here and uh, let's make this happen with the Jets. But I will say this. If you're Barry Trotz, and you've got all these opportunities, and you look at the Vegas Golden Knights. I mean, the situation in Vegas isn't what it was a year or two ago. I mean, they're in cap hell right now. They don't have the best one-two punch of goaltending in the National Hockey League. They've got a huge question mark in Robin Lehner and you know some other guys that were called upon from the American Hockey League. Um, you've got an owner that's shown to have a very quick trigger finger with coaches in the past, and... I don't know. I mean, listen, the money's the money and the great opportunity, and I'm sure living in Vegas would be cool for some people, maybe not for others. But a guy like Barry Trotz would know the way they handled Gerard Gallant. Yeah. They would see what happened this year and Peter DeBoer going on, and now some people joke, well, yeah, sign for five years, coach for a year and a half, and get paid for it all. It sounds like a pretty good deal. <laughs> but I do think there's a big question mark as to the real attractiveness of the Vegas job if you have those other ones. We've heard Philly might throw a truckload of cash at Barry Trotz, and that certainly could happen. But, I mean, man, you want to talk about going into a broken team. I mean, that is, I mean, like they are not, quote-unquote, rebuilding, but I don't know how they don't, considering where they ended up this year and, you know, with some of the players that are moving on from the organization. And you get a team like Detroit. Detroit would be, I mean, maybe if Barry Trotz was a little bit younger at this point, maybe Detroit right. would be, you know, you work with Steve Eiserman. Listen, there's not a lot of coaches that wouldn't love to start whatever they're doing with a stud like Morris Sider on the on the blue line who's going to win the Calder Trophy, as well as a number of the young picks. But really, when you look at even if you take out the romantic nature of coming back and 
all of that, which might hopefully be impactful personally. When you look at the Winnipeg Jets roster for a team that was outside of the playoffs with the talent right. that they have signed for the next couple of years, and to me, the biggest difference maker for Barry Trotz is the guy in net. To have Connor Hellebuck yeah. as your foundation between the pipes, I mean, I can certainly make the argument that on a hockey standpoint, the Jets' job is right up there, if not at the top of the list. Agree 100%. And, you know, again, compared to the roster that Barry Trotz just had, on Long Island, um, you know, I think he would look at the Jets roster and and it would be very appealing. And you're right. And it starts in net, but it's not just that. It's the young core. It's the Kyle Connors and Nikolai Ehlers and Pierre-Luc Dubois and Cole Perfetti, um, you know, and certainly some nice pieces on the blue line, including Josh Morrissey, of course, but a guy like Billy Hainala. Um, you know, I think not only if you're Barry Trotz and you're looking at the Jets roster, you got to think, I could come in and win with this roster right away, but I also, you know, I, we could build something here, not just a, a one and done kind of situation that there's the potential to, to do some long-term damage and, and to do something really special with this group. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I think of, of the jobs that are out there, this would absolutely be at the top of the list. And that's before you get into the whole, you know, hometown homecoming, the fact his his elderly father, you know, lives three hours away and in, uh, in Dauphin and, and you know, he lost his mom earlier this year. And of course, I uh, believe Barry Trotz's wife's family is still in Winnipeg. So all kinds of, of sentimental reasons. But strictly, if you're just looking at the on ice product, all kinds of professional reasons as well, why this would be a terrific fit. Mike, you got a pretty good pulse of the fan base. I know you heard from them quite a bit over the course of this season. Absolutely. Um, how much, uh, if the Jets were able to get this done, preferably soon, yeah. how much of the erosion of the fan base, the angst, the anger that's going to, how much is that erased the second that they introduce Barry Trotz as the head coach of the Winnipeg Jets in your mind? Uh, it's 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 a clean slate, I think, in the minds of it, it's the ultimate reset. Um, and I think the the positivity that would come out of that, you can't put a price on it on what Barry Trotz would do to rejuvenate a terrific fan base. And let's not forget, this is one of the best fan bases in the entire league. This is a hockey craze market, but it's one that's taken some blows over the last couple of years. And by the end of this past season, there were a lot of people, um, whether it's fatigue, frustration, um, you know, you go down the list to, to describe it. Um, there was a lot, there's, there's work to be done to kind of repair some of the fractures that have happened between the community uh, and, and the hockey club, but a Barry Trotz, um, you know, just the name and and the brand and just what he would mean, I think would would do absolute wonders. Uh, and I think True North recognizes that. I really think they do. Um, and that's why I don't think something like money would get in the way of getting this deal done. Um, I just think it's it's really going to be down to whether Barry Trotz wants to be here. The fact he's interviewing is a, is a really good sign. Um, but certainly True North, as I said off the top, it feels almost like Barry Trotz is interviewing 
the Jets as much as they're interviewing Barry. And uh, if you're the Jets, you hope that you uh, that what you what you say <laughs> in that interview is enough to uh, to get his name on a contract. Interesting comment from Doctor Sad in the chat, and. I mean, listen, there's been a lot of talk about the loyalty of the organization, you know, with coaches and everything that's happened in the past. And, you know, to many impatient fans, and let's face it, patience is not really the quality you think of of fan bases overall. Everyone wants it and they want it and want it now. Yeah. Dr. Stetz is interesting. The, loyal, the uh, loyalty of the Jets, which is often seen as a fault, may in fact be a huge positive in this one. What do you think about that? Uh yeah, I mean, and, and I, I I think it can cut both ways, the loyalty for sure. Like, I think the family atmosphere, like, that's something, and we've seen it with players that have re-upped here, um, you know, drafted and developed talent that, uh, that have enjoyed their time here. Like, I think that loyalty can certainly open doors and, and you know, when you look at a team like Vegas, for example, there's no loyalty there, right? It's cutthroat. And so for a guy like Barry Trotz that's looking for a good fit, I got to think that <clears throat> that, that loyalty um, is, is a selling point, absolutely, uh, and, and would, would be a uh, you know, real point in the favor of the organization when you're trying to sell yourself to somebody of Barry Trotz's caliber. Yeah, and, and, and I mean, I think back to 2011. I mean, the Winnipeg Jets, like, literally mentioned the Nashville Predators blueprint right. of the yeah. continuity. And, and you know what, Mark, and another organization I know that he's always had great respect for is the Pittsburgh Steelers, yeah. who, you know, had Chuck Knoll as their coach forever, had Bill Cowher as their coach forever, and now Mike Tomlin is their coach forever. I mean, they have right. not had, I mean, it's been so different than the way many of those other spots. And if I'm a coach... That's sort of exactly the sort of, I mean, as long as you have a great relationship and you trust the people that you know, you'd be working with. And I would imagine that anyone probably might be a bit more fun to work with than Lou Lamoureux, I would say, <laughs> as well. Yes. Um, but all in all, I mean, this is certainly what everyone's thinking and talking about today. And uh, we'll see. Do you have any idea? I mean, so this meeting happens today and you've got a pretty good idea about how the Winnipeg Jets work. What do we hear next about this? Is this something coming out from one of the insiders that's maybe getting it from the uh, the player, the, the coach's agent, or someone that's got a good pipeline into Barry Trotz? Or is this such a unique situation? And because no matter what happens, I think this fan base has to know that they yeah. are doing absolutely everything they can to try to get Barry Trotz's name on a contract and get him here to Winnipeg and Manitoba. Do you think it's maybe handled a little differently than maybe every other negotiation or quest that they've had in the past. Absolutely. I do. And for the reasons you just outlined, they, they want, they want to send a message to the fan base that they are, they're taking a run at this. And if ultimately that run comes up short for whatever reason, um, you know, I think that they will certainly, um, they won't announce their next head coach as our second choice or our plan B. Um, but I think they, they would want it out there that they tried to get, you know, the, the number one guy. So in terms of timeline, I mean, again, I think, I think we'll get word fairly quickly in the next day or two, whether Barry Trotz is going to interview with anybody else or whether this led to something productive, something fruitful. And uh, that certainly sets up, 
you know, an intriguing potential rest of rest of the week here in Winnipeg as uh, as Trots Watch 2022 really heats up. No doubt about it. <laughs> Listen, buckle up. Uh, it is going to be phenomenal. We get it going tonight with two series, another two more. And of course, the Winnipeg Jets, uh, the New York Rangers, Winnipeg's team. See if they can win four <laughs> more games and get that first round pick. Right. Hey, I know you'll be all over this in the Winnipeg Free Press. Thanks so much for doing this. And uh, nice. Uh, keep them keep straight the next time you get a shot at Kenny's belt. <laughs> Great stuff. There's Mike McIntyre from the Winnipeg Free Press joining us. 90- We're going to... Uh, Welcome. <laughs> Sorry, we're going to welcome in Ted Wyman coming up. I was originally going to be talking mostly about what's going on with the Canadian Football League, but uh, we're going to have to get Ted's thoughts on uh, the Jets and Barry Trotz as well. Um, just as we do that, if you're looking for a new ride this summer, before you do anything, head on over to our friends at Not Auto Corp. Um, Listen, they've been the leaders in uh, pre-owned vehicles for years here in the city of Winnipeg. Uh, And they've also got an amazing program right now to find out more about potentially moving into an electric vehicle. Um, That's with the Tesla experience. Either way, if you're looking for a new whip, why not get into the car of your dreams at a great price with the help of the Knot team? Pop down and see them at Waverly in McGilvery, or you can check them out online at knot.ca. Our friends at Little Brown Jug, so excited for the summer. And Little Brown Jug has now launched a cider. The cider is fermented for four and a half months from cold-pressed apples from an Ontario orchard using a mix of wild and cultured yeast. It's dry and refreshing, and it's gluten-free. There's so many new products available from Little Brown Jug, including a cider, queer beer, Saison, Hefeweizen, and Folkfest lager. Stop by the taproom or patio on William Avenue to try one of their delicious new brews. And of course, you can also also order online for home delivery at littlebrownjug.ca. Well, we'll see whether we've got this bomber season coming up as scheduled. And we'll talk about it with Ted Wyman in just a second. Of course, Princess Auto is and will be the sponsor for the bomber tailgates all season long. So to make sure when you're heading to a bomber game, you come out early and enjoy the festivities. Princess Auto is also where you'll find the best deals on the most unique assortment of tools and equipment around. Everything you need to complete the projects on your list or start something new is at Princess Auto. Visit them at one of two Winnipeg locations, Panet Road, and Portage West, or shop online 24-7, 365, over at princessauto.com. And uh, I'll tell you what, great day to grab a blizzard. It's not too nice outside, but uh, as we know, we uh, we make the most of spring and summer, even when it's not too nice outside, and a big part of that is popping by the Nick and Nicky DQ for some great ice cream treats for you and the family. Visit them at one of four locations, the DQ at Niverville, and in the city, DQ Northgate, DQ Polar Park, and DQ St. Anne's. And if you're feeling a little lazy or don't want to leave the house, check all your favorite delivery apps and get Nick and Nikki DQ delivered directly to you. Hit them up on Instagram at DQ Manitoba for your ability to order a cake online and get it picked up easy and quick at any of the four Nick and Nikki DQ locations. All right. Ted is back in it. What's going on, man? Welcome back to the program. How you doing? You know, it's been a couple of weeks since we've had a chat. Uh, First off, um, what did you think about DeBerry Trotz coming available? Uh, obviously, seems like a, a slam dunk hire if the Jets could make it happen. And then Elliot Friedman's report that after taking the week off that he said he was going to, the Jets are interviewing Barry Trotz today for their head coaching job. 
Well, you know, I think Hus, when Paul Maurice stepped down, uh, however many months ago that was now, people asked me, who do you think is going to be the next coach of the Jets? And my answer was, I don't know, but I think they'd like it to be Barry Trotz. And of course, Barry Trotz wasn't available at the time. He was still with the New York Islanders. And most people that I talked to said, you're crazy because the Islanders aren't going to let him go. But then look what happens. The Islanders did let him go. And now he's interviewing in Winnipeg, uh, according to Elliot Friedman. And, uh, you know, I had heard some rumblings that he had met with Jets management or was going to uh, and ownership. So I think that, uh, you know, I think that's the best news you can ask for right now. It doesn't necessarily mean that he's going to be the next coach of the Jets. There are other opportunities for him. And, and a big one came available in Vegas. But, uh, you know, and, and he is one, uh, you know, one of the best respected and well-known coaches in the NHL. But just that there's a possibility there um, that it could have worked out as well as it did, that's pretty amazing. Well, I mean, it, it's such an important hire for the Winnipeg Jets considering the disappointment of last season and sort of the trend of the team over the last few years. And as we talked about with Mike earlier, and I've sort of been discussing for the last week, I mean, from a hockey perspective, he's one of the best ever. Um, he's got a Stanley Cup. He's right there. What is he, third overall in wins? I mean, he checks off all those boxes. And I think also for a team that had somewhat of a fractured locker room, he can come in with a clean slate, demanding the respect of every single member of that team and hopefully get off to a great start and get this thing going in the right direction. But I mean, you've been in this city for a long time. I mean, you know the passion for this hockey club and you saw what happened this year with the way that the team played, what happened with Paul Maurice missing the playoffs, everything that was said at the end of the year there really was an erosion of confidence, I think, in the direction of the team from a lot of the fan base. And I'm interested in your perspective on what a Barry Trotz hire does to that in addition to everything from a simple hockey ops perspective. Well, I mean, you can gauge it uh, on Twitter, which isn't the ultimate barometer, obviously, but you can gauge the fan reactions to names that are thrown out about coaches. And uh, there's been a lot of people that have not been particularly excited about some of the names that have been thrown about, especially if they have ties already to the True North organization. But when Barry Trotz's name went out there, it was either get him here this minute or there's no chance we're getting him here <laughs> because that just the good things like that don't happen to Winnipeg, right? So, uh, you know, I don't think there was a lot of that's the wrong guy sentiment out there. I think a lot of people recognize it as that being the kind of person that the Winnipeg Jets need to try to turn this around because they're, they're a good, you know, they should have been a good hockey team this year. They should have been. They they were set up to be a good hockey team. They did what they needed to do in the offseason to be a good hockey team and they were not a good hockey team. So, you know, people look and say, what is the missing piece? Well, uh, a change in that leadership and that style in terms of coaching from a guy who has tons of uh, experience doing it, who's one of the great people in all of hockey and all of sports, in my opinion, a fantastic human being, uh, a great coach and a Stanley Cup winner. What more are you going to ask for? No, you're exactly right. Well, speaking of that leadership group, there's been so much talk. I'll, I'll say it. We kind of started it on this show a number of months ago, wondering what the future was for Mark Shifley. Um, and then the season took the turns that it did. And then we heard from Shifley at the end of the season speaking like a guy that was an unrestricted free agent as opposed to someone with two years left on his deal. What I mean, we haven't had a chance to speak since then. I mean, what was your reaction to that? And what do you think the future of Mark Shifley is as it pertains to the Winnipeg Jets? 
I don't have a crystal ball and I, and I can't honestly say, I think maybe you wait and see what kind of conversations are had with a new coach. Maybe that's the number one step. And then you kind of find out what that room looks like afterward with, uh, with players, um, you know, meeting with this new coach and getting a better sense of how they're going to want to do things. You know, if Mark Shifley is going to come back and be the exact same player that he's been, if he's not going to improve his defensive play, if, uh, you know, if there continually are persistent reports of issues in the locker room, whether it is particularly him or him and Blake Wheeler, or maybe there's some other guys that are kind of, you know, in that mix that are, that, that have things not very, uh, not really on point the way that they want it, then you'd have to say that the future doesn't look very good for him being in Winnipeg anymore, especially with the way he talked at the end, especially with the possibility that this team might be able to make a big shakeup with a trade. So it's right there. There's a lot to think about, but I do think the first thing is you get that coach in place and then you let that coach decide if he thinks he can make things work. And if this team can be as good as it was, because you know what, man, the one thing I've been thinking about Shapley and I just can't, I cannot help, but, Uh, have this come to my mind when you hear people talking about him and saying all you know really not very nice things about him as a player uh and and how his impact is on the winnipeg jets and i'm thinking back to 2018 and if you want to go and watch a series against nashville in the playoffs which is the biggest time of year and who was better in that entire playoff year than mark shafley Nobody. He was on like a he was on a Reggie Leach pace for there for a while. He, I mean, he had 14 goals in 17 games, and you know he kind of put his team on his back at that point, which has made the last three years so frustrating. And you, know, you mentioned that that was the high point of the franchise. That was the high point for Mark Shifley. And I don't know about you, uh, Ted, but when we're talking about what's happened to this team. I mean, for me, it goes back to almost New Year's of the 18-19 season when the Jets were, I believe, second overall, right, yeah. in the New Year, and moonwalked into the playoffs playing about a 500 level for the second half of the year. We all remember the players only meeting after game number 81, the way they bowed out against the St. Louis Blues. But maybe the most concerning thing of it all, speaking of end-of-season press conferences, was Shifley, the body language he had at that point, which hasn't really, at times it seemed better at the start of the year, you have that optimism, but it just doesn't seem like the same guy, the same person has been that. And people do get older, they mature, things happen. We don't know everything behind it. But to me, this goes back for a while. And listen, I think there were signs of this, you know, years ago, but this player was so important. He was signed to a good contract. He was the guy that it was supposed to, be built around and I have the perspective right now that I think that with everything's happened especially this season what we've heard and what they've obviously seen both on the ice and behind the scenes that maybe for all parties involved the chain of scenery would be the best course of action yeah it could be man it really could and there's uh you know a good return out there so uh, for me it's not the first time I've ever thought about the possibility of what you could get from Mark Shifley I've thought about that in, in last season as well in the off season. You know, what What kind of return is out there for a player with that kind of skill and that ability to score? Um, and, and what he did in those playoffs, I mean, that has to resonate with some And a $6 million because, contract. I mean, let's not and, uh, and underestimate that contract. because that's a number that pretty much any team 
with you know with a little bit of juggling even if they're right at the cap can afford to get into their roster and obviously you're having pieces go the other way in any sort of a deal for you know a top six player whether it'll be a number one center in another spot on a contending team probably not um but i mean there's a lot of reasons why i think it would make sense and i guess this brings us back to barry trotz for a minute before we move on to the canadian football league ted is that you know we have heard there's going to be a money conversation There'll be a conversation about the organization, the dressing room. But I think for a player like, for a coach like Trotz, who I believe would want to have some control or working with at least management on the players in the locker room, if you're making what could be a franchise-defining trade of a player like Mark Shifley, I'd certainly like to have my next head coach in lockstep with what we're planning to do uh, and also maybe giving some, some input on players coming back that could fit in with the new club the way they'll look under whoever the new coach is, hopefully Barry. Yeah, you, you make a lot of sense there. There's no question about it. But the other thing that I think about is, you know, if you're going to trade Mark Shifley, this better be a good trade. I mean, I, you can look around the NHL in the playoffs right now and you can see the impact that players who were part of this Jets core who are now elsewhere and they are doing very, very well. Hard to ignore what Jacob Truba's done in the playoffs so far. Hard to ignore what Andrew Kopp has done in the playoffs so far. Impossible to ignore what Evander Kane has done in the playoffs so far. Those players were all traded away for different reasons, but you can't ignore that really good impact players who were once part of the Winnipeg Jets organization are no longer here. And if you're trading Mark Shafley, that's another huge piece of that core that will be gone. No, there's no doubt about it. It would be that significant change to the leadership group. I mean, I think it would make it a lot easier for a new coach to come in and have a real clean slate without anyone that sort of feels that their service of the team kind of entitles them to a particular spot in the pecking order. And I think all of that is really, really important for the Winnipeg Jets going forward. And needless to say, we'll be paying attention to what you guys in the sun have and everybody else in the Winnipeg media and the insiders to more on uh from today's meeting as well as where we go from here um hey just before we get out hockey you got any thoughts on that battle of alberta uh i am i allowed to pick no winner <laughs> exactly <laughs> both teams kill each other and have to default the next round old hatreds die hard i mean i really am uh i am an impartial reporter now so i am joking um but i mean i think it should be fantastic it's great for canadian hockey to be honest to have that we don't get in this country, we do not get enough opportunities to have teams go deeper into the playoffs. And, uh, you know, this year only two, only three made the playoffs and only two are moving on and they got to play each other, which is that part's unfortunate. But nonetheless, it makes for tremendous excitement, a tremendous battle. I love what Calgary has done this year. So impressed with uh, Johnny Goodrow and the, and the play that he came up with in the, you know, there's another guy, Hus. How many times have talk, people talked about Johnny Hockey not being able to play defense? And maybe he should be traded because he's not, you know, not an impact guy when you need him. Well, game seven overtime goal, that's pretty big impact, right? Hell, his regular season, he had like a historically good plus minus number. I don't have MVP in front of numbers, me. really. MVP he, numbers in a different 100%. Yeah. But so there's another guy, right? Like that's just an example of how a coach can change a player. So maybe you don't trade your player away before you see what a coach can do for him. That's I, I really believe that. But I love that, you know, like the Oilers are so, they're, they're just amazing that what they've got at the top end of their talent level hasn't taken them further already. 
because Connor McDavid is the best player on the planet. Nobody's going to, I hope there's not too many people that can argue that. He showed some amazing uh, determination and skill in that series. They got good enough goaltending. They, uh, you know, their defense has been built up. It's not perfect with the Oilers, but, you know, is this finally the time when they're going to start making that mark? I think the Calgary Flames are the better team. I think they win this one. It's probably just going to be a an absolute classic battle, and we haven't seen it for a while, so it should be fun. Well, and it is going to be, I mean, gasoline on the fire, I mean, of both of those cities. And I think we're going to feel that around Canada. I mean, listen, a lot of people loving the fact that the Leafs choked again and are done in you know, 19 straight years. I mean, it certainly adds a lot when they're in the playoffs, certainly from a broadcasting perspective, but it's all eyes on Alberta when we get going tomorrow in the Battle of Alberta. Uh, Ted Wyman with us from the Winnipeg Sun. Ted, the main reason before all this Barry Trotz report happened today that completely sidetracked us was to talk about what is and what isn't happening with the Canadian Football League. You, of course, have been all over this story. Um, where are we at right now and why are we here? Oh, boy, man. You know, it, it's, it's, it's honestly, it feels when I look at the offers that have been presented and the arguments that have been made in return by the players. Uh, I had a great conversation with Adam Big Hill the other day. He laid it all out for me, he explained it in detail what the issues are. I don't feel like they're that far apart. I just don't. It, it, I'm, I'm actually kind of amazed that we're at this point. They're, it's a big ask uh, from the players because what they want is transparency uh, when it comes to revenue sharing. And it's, you know, the, the question is the owners might be saying, well, what is it you want to see? You know, like, uh, you know, what are we being transparent about? We know the league loses money. We are a lot of teams in the league lose money. It's just, uh, it's a really delicate situation there to try to figure out exactly what balance they're even looking Maybe for. this is a dumb question, but how can you share revenue if you're not transparent about what the revenue is? I mean, isn't I that just a isn't that just a common sense? I, I mean, I, I wouldn't want to do a deal with somebody and said, yeah, we're going to share this money. We're not exactly going to let you see how that money is being calculated. But it's operated that way for so many years. It's almost like, are these owners prepared to come up with something that's going to be agreeable to these players? You know, on that one, because I can't believe that the big that the the sticking point of twelve padded practices uh, is as big as that revenue sharing one, or or any of the other. You know, they 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 didn't love the term of the deal, but they say that they would be okay with changing the term of the deal to seven years if they get their other requests. It's basically about revenue sharing and it's about transparency. And the question in my mind is, I just don't know how far the owners are prepared to go to make sure that happens and what the happy medium is for the players. I do understand that they are talking in some form today. That's what we've heard. I don't know exactly what form that's taking. I do know the players continue to work out on their own as best they can. There's been pretty decent cooperation from the organizations in terms of their housing and feeding. Um, it's, you know, the, the players decided they were going to go out picketing. That, that was a plan. It was told to me directly by Adam Bakehill that they, would gonna, they were going to do some picketing and they were going to ask the fans to join them, but they changed their mind. They decided not to do that at all. Um, time is of the essence, in my opinion. The, the, the players may be just holding on to make sure that the league does potentially lose some revenue because right now it's not hurting them that badly. Um, they're losing some practice time, there's no doubt, but they haven't missed any games. If there's no agreement by tomorrow, I'm pretty sure there will be no preseason game in Regina on Monday between the Bombers and Rough Riders. 
Um, and, and I don't know if that could possibly be just postponed and rescheduled or if that game might have to be taken off the board. And I mean, that would be a big hit against the Saskatchewan. Well, well you know what? games draw well in Winnipeg and Saskatchewan. No, and, and, and you know, and it's funny. I mean, when we're talking about these negotiations, you know, often they get figured out when there's a big squeeze or we get to a real pressure point. And what's interesting about this one, Ted, is that with where we are with training camp starting right now and the players ostensibly not getting paid for training camp, the the squeeze right now is on, well, the riders. I mean, it is on like the, the, the first loss, the first hit is going to be by the teams. Yeah. And if you get to that point, what I'm worried about is that the league digs in even more because they know they just have to wait till closer to the regular season. And it's a very different story, I think, with the CFLPA if the season doesn't start as scheduled and guys aren't getting their week one paychecks. So the schedule's not really aligned with the two places. And that's, I think, why we're at this crossroads where we are right now. And I'm sort of with you. If they don't get something done in the next day or so, I think the potential of it dragging on longer in the CFL says, okay, you're going to stick it to us. Well, you guys just hang tight. We'll talk to you in a couple of weeks when what you expected to come in wasn't coming. And, and maybe that evens the table a little bit. That being said, it's a terrible outcome for all parties involved. If it gets to that. Oh man, do I ever hope it doesn't. I just don't think that this, you know, this is a, it's a terrible time for this to be happening. I'm not going to take away from the players and their fight and they, and, and, standing up for what they believe in. But the timing on this is just so bad, you know? I mean, they missed an entire season. They didn't even get to play a full season last year. They, you know, they, they, they've, they're trying to attract their fans back and, and rebuild this league to what it once was. And, not, uh, and, and just the idea of there being games canceled again, you know, losing games once again, which would be for the third straight year, that just sounds terrible. And I, I know that the, if they're talking today, I hope there's a lot of urgency to recognize that that would be a really bad outcome. And the players, if if they do manage to get that game canceled on Monday, that game is basically uh, almost a week ahead of all the other preseason games. But it, it, you know, it would make a huge difference and then it would set up the pressure point to be the next round of preseason games, et cetera. But if the owners are all of a sudden going to say that they're they're fine with uh, they can deal with these games being canceled, and then you're getting into yeah the start of the season, the, the breaking of training camp and game checks, then there's a whole different story altogether. Like you said, Ted, I mean we know who's on the negotiating committee from the CFL side of things. We know the key players in the CFLPA. Is there an individual maybe on one or both sides that you think can maybe be the bridge builder right now? I mean, the key character in this to try to get this thing moving in the right direction from a standstill? I think it would be a lot easier to answer that if I'd ever been in any of these negotiations. You know, I don't know how they go in terms of uh, of who's saying what and, and whatnot. Uh, you know, we know Wade Miller is part of the... Uh, the negotiating negotiating committee for the CFL, and we know that Wade Miller um, has done a great job in building the Bombers into what they are. And I believe that he has a pretty good relationship with the players in the Winnipeg organization. And I think that there's a possibility there for that bridge, but I don't want to go out and say that that's the truth because I don't know what his role has been in the negotiations in that room, and I don't know how he's being perceived 
by the players on the other side. So it's a possibility, but it's not anything that I could say for sure. Ed Wyman of the Winnipeg Sun with us. We've been talking Jets. We're talking CFL labor strife. And uh, hopefully we'll be talking about a resolution very soon in uh, the upcoming Blue Bomber season. Because, Ted, I mean, no one's surprised to anyone that Bombers are a favorite right now. They got the new jerseys with the two stripes for the two back-to-back Grey Cups. And I'm sure they're trying to get a third stripe on that. I mean, you know, despite all of things that have been happening, we do have training camp that's supposed to be starting. You've covered this team for a long time. We know a lot of the regular, you know, the, the stars of the Grey Cup team is back, but many of them are gone. Is there a position area or two that is the most intriguing for you heading into training camp? Yeah, you know, it's not, it's it, honestly, it's even though you lost Andrew Harris and Stephen Richardson and Darvin Adams and Kenny Lawler and, uh, and Alfred, DeAndre Alfred, it's not seeming to me like there's, a huge hole there. I think there's players here to to fill all those holes. You got Brady Oliveira for a running back. You've got uh, Greg Ellingson now to to work as a, uh, in the spot where Lawler was. Um, you've bringing in Jalen Saunders. I like Blake Jackson as another receiver that I think the Bombers really like. Um, and you've got uh, and you've got a ton again. Twenty seven defensive backs again. The same number they had last year. And last year they were competing for two jobs. This year it's only one. So, you know, but I mean, maybe you find another gem in there, right? And they do have some veterans in there as well, including Taekwon Glass, who might have the inside track, but he's going to get a lot of battles. I think that the defensive back is always going to be interesting. They always bring in a lot of players and it's going to be interesting. Uh, I think defensive tackle, we expect it to be Casey Sales replacing Steve Richardson. And I mentioned those receivers. There's one spot where I do see there being a, a pretty good competition, and that's at left guard because Drew Desjardins, has gone to the NFL's New England Patriots, and um, the the Bombers are sort of sitting and waiting right now whether they're going to get a chance to bring in Liam Dobson, who was their first overall or first round pick in 2020, and he's currently doing some uh, NFL mini camp workouts. And they kind of are maybe seeing he might be the guy to go in there, but he's also going to be a rookie. So you've got Jeff Gray here as a veteran, you've got Chris Kolonkowski, and you've got some Americans. And the one thing that Kyle Walters talked about is that uh, in his preseason talk was that maybe, just maybe, they would start a third American on the offensive line because they've got some great Canadians that they've brought in that might be able to start on defense. And when I say that, I think I'm I'm looking at Patrice René and Terrell Ford, who are two defensive backs, Canadians who were drafted in the last two years. They're really good athletes, both of them, not, you know, forget the passport. They're good athletes. And so it's possible you might see a second Canadian starter. And if they don't, if it's not those guys in particular, they could at least start the season with Nick Hallett at uh, safety in place of Brandon Alexander, who's still rehabbing an injury. No, I, I, well, I just hope we can move on to those exact conversations very, very soon and put all this uh, labor stuff in the, in the rear view mirror and get ready for the bombers trying to uh, make it three in a row. Ted Wyman of the Suns with us. Ted, I can't have you on the program without quickly touching curling. We always love NHL trade deadline day. We love free agent frenzy. The free agent frenzy in the world of curling was unlike anything I can ever remember. I mean, uh, do you have your chart for all the new teams completely filled out? I mean, uh, you want to talk about having your head spinning. Those few days, really, it was a period of time, but as things became public, certainly gave you a lot to do uh, doing the national curling beat for Post Media. 
I couldn't even keep up with it, Huss. It was just, it was daily. It's just musical chairs, really. Interestingly, a lot of the information, that is the least secretive sport there is. I mean, I'm just <laughs> telling you, man, like these guys were announcing their team two months after everybody already knew what their team was. So, <laughs> you know, I mean, uh, that, that kind of downplayed some of their, you know, some of their announcements, to be honest, because I, I like Matt Dunstone, love the guy. He's a, you know, he's got a new Manitoba team. It's great news to see that he's doing that. But hit, that team was known months ago. And everyone in curling knew it. So if you know anyone who knows anything about curling, you have it. And I, and I will say that I think, you know, I, I think people get angry about these teams being announced before they actually, the teams actually have a chance to do it. But if you don't want that, then don't tell everybody because <laughs> everybody knows. You got good guys on the beat like Ted. Hey, just quickly touch on the Manitoba scene because um, the McEwen rinks changed. Reed yeah. Carruthers is back, and you mentioned that Dunstone rink. I mean, I'm a big fan of Matt. Colton Lott was maybe the most exciting young player that had a lot of interest in. Um, the, the men's Manitoba scene is going to look very different, but could be uh, as exciting as it's been in a long time. Well, more competitive, really, because it's been either McEwen or Carruthers or McEwen and Carruthers forever. I mean, I can't even remember the number now in my head how many years it's been where it's where that's been the case, but it's a lot. And it's time for some other teams to step up and get a chance here. Yeah, you've brought in another team like Dunstone, which is very elite. But I would still expect there to be a good chance of two of those teams. McEwen is still up in the air a little bit. But, uh, they're, they're, you know, depending on what he ends up doing, you could end up with two Manitoba teams that are wild cards at the Briar, if that's how it works. You know, I, we don't even know what the format's going to be for next year for the Briar. But they're, 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 they're all going to be contenders. I like seeing Gunner and uh, and Carruthers together again. They were together for uh, uh, years and years ago to make a final and lose to Jeff Stoughton. And now when they're much older and wiser, they're, you know, getting back together. And, and I'd love to see how that works out for them. It's just, you know, it's nice to see. I think that what you're really seeing right now is that curling is a sport where it's, you're able to, you're able to put these friendships aside. Like they build great bonds with one another over four years and they're great friends, many of them. But then you get to a point where you say, look, this is about getting to the Olympics. We've done four years together and it didn't work. Uh, it was good. I mean, look how good Kevin Cooey's been and he's break, broken up his team. It's just time for something different, time for a change. There's a lot of younger players getting in. You mentioned Col Colton Lott, Tyler Tardy's coming in with Kevin Cooey. Um, that new Brendan Botcher team looks insane, to be honest, uh, with Mark Kennedy and Brett Gallant and Ben Hebert. I mean, good luck beating them if your name's not Gushu or Cooey. And, um, but I think that, that it just brings a lot of excitement to the next quadrennial. And it's going to be really interesting to see how it goes. Women's curling, tons of changes as well. How about Jennifer Jones playing with Mackenzie Zacharias? Yeah, I was going to ask you about that. I mean, the Zacharias rink, I mean, if anyone was paying attention this year, you know this is a talented junior team that's now making its mark. But, I mean, this to me is one of the most fascinating um, teams going forward as to how it'll work and what Jen can do with her incredible experience with the very talented group of sort of the next generation of the top Manitoba females. And kind of a good mentor for Mackenzie, that's yeah. for sure. <laughs> but I mean, the, th the question to me, and I mean, I've asked Jen this question. She's not going anywhere near it. But, you know, how is she legitimately going to still be with this team in four years? Would be taking another run at the Olympics. It would be her third. She'd be 51, I think, at the time. 
I mean, I'm not sure whether she's in this for a short term to to work with this team early on to keep her, you know, keep playing at a super high level and maybe, you know, hand it off to Mackenzie Zacharias at some point, or if she's in it for another full quadrennial. I'm going to guess the latter just because the woman loves curling and I, yeah. I just don't see her quitting uh, unless somebody forces her off the ice. No doubt about it. Ted Wyman's with us from the Winnipeg Sun. Uh, I know you've got a lot going on now. What can we look forward to from uh, you and the team in the next few days, other than a hopefully extensive coverage of an agreement between the CFL and the CFLPA? Yeah, I think you'd like to see that, honestly. I mean, I am I, I actually was not working today, which was great, but I, I tomorrow is I'm back and I'm supposed to be covering training camp, and I would really like to do it, to be honest. The, you know, it's uh, I was looking forward to getting back to some normalcy and covering that team and that league. And I, I really hope this is short-lived in that sense. But, uh, you know, Paul Friesen's out covering the moose today. We'll have some stuff on Barry Trot. Um, we're, you know, I'm amazed how busy it was this past weekend with the gold ice playing, the ice oh. playing, the moose playing, Valor playing, and training camp. Uh, at least it was on until Friday, and then it just got started, you know, then it got stalled out. But honestly, even without the jet, it's like a pretty great sports scene here in Manitoba, and you got to really like that. No, no doubt about it. Disappointing end for the Moose, but we do have that, I mean, this series between the Winnipeg Ice and the Edmonton Oil Kings. Oh, I mean, man. Anyone that's, that's been good. paying attention to this league has been talking about a collision course from these two teams all season long, Ted, and we got to wait a couple more days, but this is a true heavyweight tilt between arguably the two best teams, not just in the Western Hockey League, but maybe in Canadian Junior Hockey. In the Canadian Hockey League, you could definitely make that argument. And, you know, I, I think whichever team wins this will win the Western Hockey League Championship. I don't think there's anybody in the West that can take down either team. I covered, I think, all but one of, uh, of the ice games in the first two rounds, and that's a really, really good team. They're so fast. I mean, I don't think I've seen a team with that kind of collective speed that moves the puck in transition the way that they do I, I realize it's at the junior level but you know the, it's it's really impressive they can take another team's two-on-one and have it in the other team's net in seconds it's just that good they're that good at making the transition the question is and everybody's been talking about this all along is can they live up to what Edmonton brings to the table which is a lot of toughness they're physical they're tough they're big <laughs> They also can score. They're 8-0 in the playoffs. It's It would be a real shame if the Ice have their run stopped here because they're going to play the other best team in the uh, Western Hockey League, and it's not even the final. But, you know, as you said already, it should be one heck of a series. Cannot wait for it, and can't wait to read all about it in the Winnipeg Sun. Ted, always love having you on the program. Let's do this again soon. All right, buddy. Take care. Appreciate it. There it is, Ted Wyman, at Ted underscore Wyman on Twitter. And make sure to check out his work as the rest of his team covering the Winnipeg sports scene over at the Winnipeg Sun. Uh, all right. Great night for BP because the playoffs are back. A doubleheader tonight. Battle of Florida. Blues and Avalanche. And then tomorrow night, the uh, team of the Winnipeg Jets fan base, the New York Rangers, goes up against the Carolina Hurricanes again of course if the uh, Rangers can win this series one of those two second rounders the Jets got from Morgan Barron becomes a first round selection and then the main event tomorrow night the Battle of Alberta we'll talk more Battle of Alberta tomorrow with Pat Steinberg in Calgary before game number one uh, but yeah hit up BP tonight uh, ice cold schooners gourmet pizzas Boston's wings and if you aren't heading out Get ready for the games. Check out their game day deals and order online at bostonpizza.com. You might also want to mix in 
the drink of the summer, although it's not too summery outside the Canadian club ready to drink Canadian club and ginger ale. You can pick it up right now in six packs, at your local Manitoba liquor marts or at beer stores. And if you do want to go old school and make your own, you can get the great taste of Canadian club at your local Manitoba liquor mart as well. And we'll all be sipping on those this year at IG field. As soon as the CFL and the CFLPA get a deal done. And we are officially folks two weeks away from horsing around again together out at Assiniboia Downs for live racing. The stage is set for another great year of seeing the ponies out at the track on the West side. Just do with the weather in the spring. They've had to push it back a little bit, but it is on May 31st, opening day, the return of the world-famous Prime Rib Buffet and more. Find out it all at asdowns.com. And if you got the Jones to bet on the ponies beforehand, you can uh, bet on tracks around the world at hpibet.com. All right, we got to get to these games for tonight. We got to get to the cool bet lines. Let's get Michael Remus back in here and... uh Remo, it's funny. We were talking this morning about, you know, kind of what we were going to be talking about, obviously a little bit on the playoffs. And then Elliot Friedman's one tweet sent the, uh, sent the chat on fire and um, got us right back on Trot's watch as uh, the Winnipeg Jets, for folks that have tuned in late today, interviewing Barry Trot's today for the head coach. And as Mike mentioned and Ted and many people in the chat, probably a bit of a two-way conversation as well as far as the Jets selling the most in-demand coach in the National Hockey League on coming back to his home province and uh, being part of the solution here to get the Jets back to being a contender. I posted a picture of this tweet on our Instagram, and the most popular comment is, yuck, 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 it's actually Trotz interviewing the Jets. Ha <laughs> gotcha. I mean, even, even, yeah, even Mike made that joke. Pretty low-lying fruit, so... There's a lot of truth to it, though, and yeah, I guess most jokes are made because they are centered around that there's a lot of truth to it. I mean, there's no yes. doubt about it. Teams are going to be selling Barry Trotz on the job, and I imagine the Jets are pulling out all the stops in that case today. Oh, I'd love to see that uh, kind of presentation they got for him. Uh, maybe they've got, I don't know if there's what they have uh, planned, but I'm sure it'd be pretty pretty interesting to be a fly on the wall. And yeah, we were kind of, I was kind of off the fence here. I was like, you know what, maybe Barry Trotz, look, we tried, we talked about it for a week. Maybe it's not going to work out, but Elliot's tweet here, 12.30 p.m. today, just pulled me right back in. Maybe it is a possible. It seems like they're going to give it a shot. And a lot of excitement in our chat today. Uh, incredible. Uh, the bump in viewership that we've seen last Monday and again today. Just a little a little nugget of news, and we're all, we're all talking, okay, maybe... Maybe it's going to happen. Who knows? Barry Trotz, the gift that keeps on giving right now to Winnipeg Sports Talk, and hopefully yes. the gift they'll be giving to our community, our hockey team, and the sports scene in Winnipeg after uh, maybe a potential deal to bring him back home. Uh, eight teams are left in the Stanley Cup Finals. Two games tonight. Game number one between the Lightning and the Panthers and the Blues and the Avalanche. Let's take a look at game one lines for the Stanley Cup round two over at CoolBet.com. Tampa and Florida go at it tonight, 6 p.m. Ream, and the Lightning plus 136 on the road. The Panthers, who of course lost game one to the Washington Capitals in round number one, minus 161. And the series line for that is exactly the same as the first game. Panthers minus 161, Tampa plus 135. How do you see this one going tonight? 
Yeah, no Braden Point. He's going to be day-to-day after this. I think that's going to be a big loss. I would think I'd lean Florida tonight, but I would like Tampa in the series, if that even makes sense, because I feel like the team that wins game one has a bit of an advantage, but a lot of it depends on point, and it's very unknown, but I think as far as the series goes, I would I would like Tampa as an underdog. I did... Look at my well, I'll tell you what, yeah. if you do that, if you do that and the Panthers do lose tonight, you'll be getting a great Sorry. number. I mean, right now the series number is plus 135. If Tampa loses this game tonight, you're looking at probably plus 200 for sure. Uh, and that might be a good value bet, especially as we get a little bit more information on whether Point will be able to return. Yeah, you're probably right. I did uh, have my bracket, actually. That's just a quick recap here. I did have uh, Tampa in seven and the Rangers in seven. Colorado and seven. I hit three on the nose. I was six of eight. Many people Nicely were six, six of eight. Old Barry Horowitz and going on yeah. right now in the program. Uh, yeah, yeah, more Barry. I had Edmonton or I had the Kings and seven. So I got the games right there. Florida and se- I had Florida and five. I had Carolina and seven. So I was close. I think the first round was easy. This next round, very tough. As I show my bracket on the screen, sorry, podcast listeners. But back to tonight. Uh, I'm going to go ta- uh, Florida. I think they're rested. They're at home. I don't know. Have you been? Uh, have you seen the people mad online about the scheduling of this series? Well, yes, yes. I've seen. You know, and people and I do actually have. I know uh, Jake Marsh over at PMT is a big Heat fan, but also follows hockey. And I mean, if you're a South Florida fan right now, I mean, these games are all on the same night mm-hmm. as the Heat. Like they have home games happening at the same time. And I realize Miami's in Miami, and the Cats play in Fort Lauderdale. But I mean, it. it I was shocked that that was the case. Now you did some detective work. People were wondering why the hell there's back-to-back games in this series. It is in fact a concert at the, um, whatever the arena Am- is called. Emily arena. Uh, it, oh, in Tampa. In, in Tampa. Emily. Yeah. It's not the St. Pete time. Who's the artist? I know. I, I know you, you'll have this answer. You information. referenced it earlier on the show. I think last week he's coming to Winnipeg. Kane Brown. <laughs> it wouldn't move serious? it wouldn't move the concert yeah are you familiar with him i never heard of him till like last week uh, uh you know i've just heard his name i've just heard his name yeah. i mean i'm not i'm not really a big country music guy i mean i'm not an anti-country music guy or anything like that i kind of got into it doing some gigs out at country fest in the year uh in years past where i've sort of checked some of it out and enjoyed it but uh i i just think he's sort of like one of these country pop guys that has a uh big following gets lots of radio airplay for the few people that still listen to terrestrial radio and um (laughs) but he is coming i mean i was at the moose game and i did see an ad for kane brown so maybe that was why i referenced him just knowing that that's one act that's touring right now in my very closed sports filled life of not paying out attention to many things outside of the playoffs and what's going on with the bombers, et cetera. Yeah, they wouldn't I think there were just like a number of issues leading into why they had to have a back to back I think part of it was the TV networks, ESPN opting to, they got first pick of the East and they took the Rangers series instead of the Florida series, you know, New York, big, big market, of course, and Rangers. And so TBS has the, TBS has the, and has the Florida series and they, or sorry, TNT, and they opted to have it on, you know, the same day as the basketball. So disappointing for Florida fans. If you're, you know, having to choose both, I guess you got to go multiple. TVs that would be the way or TV and iPad do it do you can but uh, I did like see I did see a funny joke of some people that were pissed off that they were playing the same time of the same games like oh geez 
the fans are going to have to decide both games which not game, game not to go to because um, <laughs> I mean the Heat has probably the worst crowd in the National Basketball Association and the Panthers have done a great job this year and I got to give them credit actually from an organizational standpoint they've done some really neat things that don't happen in a lot of other markets they had members of the Panthers calling season ticket holders themselves and it seemed like they got a real buy-in from the club um, well, they've certainly had buy-in on the ice with the season that they've had so far. Other game tonight, 8.30 start is the Blues and the Avalanche. Uh, no surprise that the Avalanche are a big, big series favorite, as we mentioned. It was minus 500 yesterday. It's actually gone down to minus 435. Blues are plus 330. But a very different line for game number one. Blues plus 185. And the Avs minus 222. I'll be honest, Reem. I like the Blues to get this series to at least six. And I would not at all be surprised if they get one tonight on the road um, to take an early lead. I think I might look at a little bit of value on the road team tonight for St. Louis. I think if there's one upset here, if you wanted to pick one, maybe it would be the Blues. Because, like, would Tampa be a. I know Tampa's technically an underdog. Like, is that would that be an upset if they beat Florida? They seem pretty even. So, well, when uh, one team's the favorite and one yeah. team's minus one sixty one for a series, then yeah, absolutely. <laughs> All right, <laughs> by definition, fair, fair, sure. I, I think although, uh, although by the odds, you are right. They are the they are the lowest number on the underdog. I mean, for the opening games, Rangers, Hurricanes yeah. tomorrow. Rangers plus one fifty, Canes minus one seventy nine. And uh, the Oilers plus 145 in Calgary and Calgary minus I'm, 172. I'm surprised that Colorado is a bigger favorite over St. Louis than Calgary is over Edmonton. Um, I think that's fair, right? Especially if um, Edmonton, especially if Dreisaitl, we don't know what his situation is. Well, that, that's for sure. But I think, listen, they just got pushed to overtime in the seventh game by the Dallas Stars and... Is the goal Colorado completely the stars didn't push the, them? The Jay Cottinger pushed them. Look at the Calgary dominated <laughs> that whole series. Got sixty shots last game. Story, uh, story. I think that's Val on Calgary. They should be bigger favorites over Edmonton than Colorado over the Blues. That's well, that's just me. We'll get into all those, but if you do want to uh, want to bet, I actually had a text yesterday from the Queen. Oh uh, asking me about which site we use. And I said, well, we said we get on cool bet your majesty. You want to, uh, use yeah, that's you what you said there? your majesty. That's exactly what I said back. <laughs> and I said, and your majesty, if you would like a Royal bonus on your first deposit, use the promo code WST on your first deposit and you get a 100% bonus up to $200, uh, or British pounds. If that's what the uh, currency that you like to, uh, that you like to bet with your majesty. So uh, wow. I don't see, maybe the queen's going to get I, in on round two of the Stanley cup playoff. I do want to point out uh, the Kane Brown takes are flying in chat. Nicole J says it's questionable that he is country pop. Maybe. Yeah. And Leighton Janice says Kane Brown is huge. Can confirm part of the bro country movement. Bro I'm not, country. I'm not part of that movement. I don't know. I don't is know. Is Florida is. Georgia line bro country? I think so. That Let I, me know about that. I know they're sort of pop and they've mixed in hip hop and stuff like that. Country music is pop music right now. I mean, you also yeah. have like a different genre of country music as well. Uh, but I think it's the same sort of thing as hip hop. There's a lot of hip hop music that is pop. And then there's a whole nother genre of rap music that doesn't really get radio airplay. Um, and some people, myself included, might like it a little bit better, but just a little bit different. Hey, one other thing while we're talking about the cool bet lines. Um, 
Don't forget, DraftKings contest is made. Go to the Winnipeg Sports Talk lobby and make sure you get in before it fills. We got 50 spots. I think we're just over halfway right now. PGA Championship tees off on Thursday. Tomorrow, we'll be doing a special show with the Cool Bet Gang at 11 a.m. our time. And um, I'm really looking forward to that. That's going to be fun. We'll make our picks, top fives, winners, and whatnot. Scotty Scheffler right now, the favorite at 13 to 1. Rom, 14 to 1. Rory McElroy, 16 plus 16.50. JT, plus 18.50. And Jordan Spieth, plus 2,000. Southern Hills, Tulsa, Oklahoma. And by the way, where's Eldrick? Where's Tiger? Tiger Woods, 65 to 1, right there with Canadian Corey Connors and my guy, Tony now um so i'll see if feinberg can join us tomorrow i'd love to do a segment with him on the pga before it starts on thursday morning uh but of course tomorrow on the show marata tesh will join us uh, i know marat has got a, a great new piece in the athletic that we'll be talking about and uh, we'll also uh, get the latest on the trots watch and fingers crossed maybe we'll have a little bit of information about that this meeting today went fantastic things look like Barry Trotz might be coming home to Manitoba. We'll have to wait on that. We'll see about it. But big thanks to the guys that came on today. Of course, Tyler Ramshuk on the Battle of Alberta. Pat Steinberg will be on the program tomorrow. We'll talk to Pat uh, from a Calgary perspective on game number one tomorrow night. Um, of course, today, big thanks to uh, Ted Wyman and Mike McIntyre for joining us as well today. Um, tomorrow on the show, as I met Murata Tash, hopefully some good news on the Canadian Football League. We will, I mean, I was DMing with Adam Big Hill today. I guess Jake Thomas is handling the uh, player's side of the media. So we've got an invite out for Jake Thomas. Hopefully it'll be coming on talking about a deal that's done. But if not, giving us the player's perspective, hopefully that can happen. And uh, of course, we'll have the latest on the Stanley Cup playoffs. Maybe a preview of the Rangers series as everyone around these parts will be hoping they can win four games against the Hurricanes and give the Jets their first round draft selection. So we'll get to those two series that are beginning tomorrow and much, much more on another edition of Winnipeg Sports Talk. Thanks again to all the sponsors that make this show happen each and every day and a great turnout of people in the chat room. Hit us up uh, on uh, social media, on all of our channels. Follow at Sports Talk WPG. And if you're with us right now and you haven't subscribed yet, what are you waiting for? Hit that red subscribe button as we get close to 7,000 subs. Continually growing the community here on Winnipeg Sports Talk. And whatever you do, make sure you join us tomorrow at 1 p.m. right here on WST. Enjoy the games tonight. Have a great evening, and we'll see you tomorrow on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Oh, my God. Oh! Thanks for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com.